This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME. Boys in the break, legally blonde and sexily beast, and we say goodbye to Winnie the Pooh and Harry Potter this week on 302010. Oh my goodness, everyone. Welcome to 302010, the Later Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine. And it is a busy one, the busiest week of releases in recent memory. 302010, don't know what we do? We take you on a pop culture time machine tour through the decades. 30, 20, and 10 years ago. We're going to tell you what, what came out, what movies uh, what movies broke through, what books came out, what video games, music, TV emerged, and more. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Santista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman. If you come and talk in that trash, I'll pull your card. Know enough in life but to be even shit. Don't quote me, boy. I ain't said shit. Damn. Whoa. The well. the bars. Oh. Oh, it's me, Sarah. And to my co-host, I say, speaking to the microphone, squid brain. <laughs> uh... I don't know what else to say about this week in that we I just said it off mic. I have never watched more and looked into more for an episode of this show and I didn't get any almost halfway through. It was it is this week is so dense with high quality shit. I'm really mm-hmm. glad if I hope this is your first episode because it'll make our show look really good because there's yeah. great things we have to talk I- about. I thought last week, having July 4th weekend, it would be really heavy. And all we had was T2, and even the other decades seemed like they got out of the way of T2. And this <laughs> week, it's just, yeah, even the bad things are interesting, and there aren't that many bad things. These yeah. are, like, a lot of must-watches in here. For real. I, I would it's going to be four hours, and I'm sorry. At least at least six to, to, six to ten, I, I would recommend the movies. That, and I said... Uh, Wait till we get to it. I watched one thing organically, not for this job, and then it turned out to be <laughs> also relevant to this job it, uh, on accident. So this this is uh, just an awesome week. Thanks for tuning in. And once again, thank you to our patrons, like uh, our executive producer, Vincent Garcia, and many other fine folks at Patreon.com slash LazerTime, helping this show. Keep going. We are in our sixth season, counting down uh, the releases through the decades, 30, 20, and 10 years. We'll tell you what happened. Across the week of July 9th to the 15th in 1991, 2001, and 2011. I, I love the concept of the show, still do, and it always helps me figure out where I was, what I was doing, uh, whose birthday it was. I love this shit. I really do. Especially uh, everything on this list is something I was super whole hog into, and I, uh, I cannot Plus, wait to get into this. This show is also really great for helping you fill in the gaps of your pop culture knowledge. Yeah. Like, that's one thing that, that we don't talk about. Like, it helps you go back in nostalgia way to, like, the things that you watched when you were younger. Yes. But it also really helps you, like, it's helped me just doing the show, like, a, really fill in some major gaps that I had in my, like, you know. A single viewing knowledge. of, uh, in, in this episode in particular, made me feel like a sexist pig for not having ever watched it before. Uh-huh. Uh, and and like, yeah, like, why didn't I read more reviews? What the fuck? I know I read reviews on this. I don't remember. Anyway, anyway, it's... Did that, did 
Did that movie also make you want a hot dog real bad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, fe- I felt really fucking stupid that I held out. I, I, but I love that feeling on 302010. Like, because I've always sort of wanted to see see everything. And every once in a while we get that chance. And um, the stuff I got to revisit this week. I, I have never quiet, cried so many tears of quality. Am I the only one who does that? Like, when something's mm-hmm. super great. Like, yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. It, this happened constantly this week and of rage and sadness because there's some of that in the movies too but anyway jesus we got to get into it don't we white on the news but uh uh 1991 that's where we start july 9th to the 15th boris yeltsin is sworn in as the first president of the new and kind of democratic but not very much russia federation Mm. yeah and it's still standing excuse me what russia is in the news okay i'm sorry <laughs> Yeltsin. Yeah, but this is a big thing where they they're segueing away from being the soviet union they're calling themselves uh-huh. the russian federation or the federation of independent states and um yeah they're saying they're gonna have elections and they're gonna have multi-party but it hasn't quite happened but they said they're gonna we'll see they'll get around to it they'll get around they'll, to it they'll get around to it there's other stuff to do yeah, yeah. And there's some hardliners who are super not feeling this, and we'll hear from them soon. All right. Whew. And uh, let's jump right to the news into the movies, because holy Lord, people, you are in for it this week. Terminator 2 is still number one at the box office, and I I would love to hear from one single person, one single listener who we convinced to watch this for the first time. I can't imagine yeah. that happen. Uh, I don't Does know. That how, exist? how could you have missed this movie? If you were young, you saw it at a slumber party. If you weren't, you've seen it on cable. I don't know how you haven't seen it. I, and I saw it is on Netflix. Just one of those movies that's on Netflix. I don't know how you have missed Terminator 2 uh, if you haven't seen it already, but I would I would love to hear from any of you people at uh, uh, the comments, uh, lasertimepodcast.com or uh, Facebook or the Twitter. What's the Twitter again, Diana? Uh, 302010podcast. Yeah. But let's get into the movies that did come out this week. Bill Nunn, uh, Donald Moffat, Annette Benning, Harrison Ford <laughs> in the movie I had no problem not watching this week, but is pretty good uh, regarding Henry. Don't give me this now. Harrison Ford. I just want a pack of cigarettes. Fate took everything he had. How did you learn to do that? You taught me. And gave him... You're stepping like a natural man. Go ahead. ...everything that matters. I don't want to who I was, Bradley. A Mike Nichols film. Dad, I'm serious. I know. Very. Regarding Henry, rated PG-13. Now play... Uh, I don't remember this very well. Did anybody get a chance to rewatch this this week? I did not rewatch it, but I know I have seen it. Oh yeah, I've seen it a couple um, times. Yeah, and it's it's extremely tear jerky and a bit by the numbers. And yes. yeah, he's he's you know a hard talking, callous, mean lawyer guy, and then uh, he goes into a bodega and gets shot by John Leguizamo. <laughs> oh and man, has to like relearn to be a person like how to walk and how to tie his shoes because of the brain damage and he's like realizes all like the things he took for granted and how his relationship with Annette Benning was like not that great and they like every everything works out but they become a better family because yeah. they care about what's important now Oh, I always man. called it the amnesia movie, but I guess it isn't technically that. But, you know, we haven't had a good no. amnesia movie in a while. So it's do. not amnesia. He just has like a traumatic brain injury. Yes. Right. Right. Okay. But that does have some there's some amnesia like he keeps he keeps like painting for therapy and he keeps painting boxes of Ritz crackers. And then spoiler alert, it turns out, oh, the Ritz Carlton Hotel is where he was cheating on his wife. Oh. And he like puts that all together. Yeah. It's like this first real full script that's high profile from a young guy named Jeffrey Abrams. Yes. 
who we know as JJ. He also appears briefly in the movie. Right. Oh, and he was 25. Little bastard. Getting wow. a theme already this week of damn these kids. And yeah, it's pretty weepy. It's nice to see Harrison Ford doing something different, though. But yeah, it's eh. Oh, no. I absolutely remember watching this with my parents and my mom crying her eyes out. Like, I'm five in 1991 at this point. So, like, I, but I remember him getting shot. I remember, Mm -hmm. like, a lot of the scenes, surprisingly. So, this movie definitely made a big impression on me when I was younger, for sure. Cause I've thought about it over the years. Like, you know, Harrison Ford is so good. He's really good at doing this without being overboard i mean you know there are so many ways an actor could go wrong <laughs> okay, okay. melodramatically tree being very treacly you know in this sort of role but i mean he's harrison ford man he does a really good job of being gruff i think that's who exactly who you wanted for this job okay okay yeah. let's put a yeah. pin and in this oh my goodness and it's ladies. interesting <laughs> well i just want to say it's interesting him reteaming with mike nichols because the last thing they did together was working girl which is oh. very different for harrison ford and it was so awesome. And I wish I wish they had teamed up to do more comedies because Harrison Ford is so freaking good in Working Girl. We do not appreciate that word uh, regarding Henry. Sorry, regarding Henry. Uh, but let's let's move on. But, to- OK, so J.J. Abrams is all of 25. Let's talk about someone younger. Yeah. Yeah. A filmmaker who is 24 Ooh. becoming the youngest nominee for best director. Right. Wow. Um, yeah. Holy shit. I didn't realize he was that young. Twenty-four. He wrote this in school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, semi-autobiographical uh, from John Singleton. We got Regina King, Nia Long, Angela Bassett, Lawrence Fishburne, Morris Chestnut, Cuba Gunning Jr., and Ice Cube. Uh, Boys in the Hood. They don't know. I don't care about what's going on in the hood. They love like brothers. I want to do something with my life, right? I want to be somebody. We got a problem here. And fought like hell. I don't understand why you insist on learning things the hard way, Trey, but. It's hard to be a saint in South Central L.A. Something wrong? It's just too bad you don't know what it is. Boys in the Hood, rated R. I I hope people don't sleep on this movie because it's got a silly 90s title. I was, for some reason, I think this was the only way young boys my age could watch something emotional together. We watch this every day uh, after school. Yeah, because it's like a sad, it's a tough movie, but it's also super fucking sad. Yeah. Um, and a lot of this stuff is flying over our heads. And But it's like, it's mm. it's after it's out on HBO and like gangster rap is fucking crazy huge and everywhere. Uh, like, yes, and Ice Cube is in the movie. Famous Trump supporter Ice Cube. <laughs> I mean, um, yes. Oh, brother. Yeah. I love that I, I looked up trying to find this trailer and the next suggested thing was, do you want to see the trailer for Are We There Yet? It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I do not. No, it's Ice Cube's debut, Cutie King Jr.'s debut, Morris Chestnut's debut. Yeah. Almost Lawrence Fishburne's debut, his, his starring well, debut. John Singleton met him on Pee Wee's Playhouse, which he worked on. And like, <laughs> this this guy should wow. be the star of a movie. Like, holy shit, I cannot imagine meeting Cowboy Curtis and thinking, yeah, he should play... <laughs> He should play, what's his name? Ferocious. Uh, Furious Styles. Furious Styles. I, <laughs> man, th- I feel like, first of all, if you watch Blackish, I feel like Lawrence Fishburne's character in this movie is like, he just plays an older version, like <laughs> of Furious Styles in the show Blackish, because he plays like the patriarch of the family there. But A, I got this confused all the time with Boys on the Side, which is a very different <laughs> movie. <laughs> 
Yeah, I love that. I love that scene when Ice Cube and Cuba Gooding sing around, sing around all those candles into their, into their hairbrushes. Uh, oh, Drew Barrymore hooks up with yeah. No. Yeah, I would often get them confused, but this movie's fucking pitch perfect. It's mm-hmm. it's great. I it mean, is it is one of the wow. the best. What do you call it? Films indicative of when it was made, like a, an, a, yeah. an important film, a funny film, a sad film, a moving film. I was so because I hadn't seen this in like ten years at least, and uh, my girlfriend had never seen it, and we were just blown away again. There's a 4K version for rent through your whatever service you can find. It looks phenomenal, and uh, I, I don't know how that area of South Central Los Angeles looks that they're shooting in, but it is wonderful. I, I think it was it was. Co- super coincidental right before i started prep for this week of 30 2010 i just was looking for something to put on as i fall asleep and i put on stand by me and ah. and i watched this this was my first viewing uh for 30 2010 i'm like holy shit this has a lot of perils turns out not an accident that's what john singleton sort of based it on and it in all the stuff that flew over my head as a kid starts becoming way more captivating because the beginning focuses on these four kids leaving their house to find a body and how many vastly different things they encounter in their world. <laughs> um, but it, but ultimately, the beginning has, it like, reeks of Stand By Me, but is so patently different because of where this is set. And yes, this is white people being exposed to... Uh, you can, I, I, don't, I hate calling... I hate saying words like the hood or the ghetto, but all mm. those things we're about to start hearing about in music every day is starkly depicted on screen in, in a way that makes all this music that will come about in the next two years make so much fucking sense. Music mm-hmm. and, news. and news. I mean, yeah. it, it, like, you know, it, it goes both ways because... I remember in the early 90s hearing so much about like crime and the crack and epidemic and everything in these neighborhoods that, you know, growing up in the panhandle of Florida, we just don't see those neighborhoods. And so right. this is a really great little pel- t- pel- telescope. Oh, my God. I'm trying to say <laughs> telescope and periscope at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's growing up yeah, in Florida. Well, our, our bad neighborhoods are out in the sticks and kind of away from view. Yeah. And there's something, yeah. mm-hmm. in, there was something incredibly fascinating about like, this is in the middle of a huge metropolitan city and you can hear the freeway and helicopters and the gunshots going at all time. It's yeah. It, we, yeah, yeah. That is one thing. The helicopters getting all the fucking time. Yeah. And this we're, it's extremely timely because within a year it, we have the LA riots, which is literally the same neighborhood as, you know, Crenshaw and on Florence and on Normandy and, yeah, so I, I hadn't watched this in a real long time. Uh, and going back, I think it has a reputation of being, this is a movie about gangs. And no. it's only no. barely, it's like tangentially. Really, it's a coming of age story right. it's, it's, about a particular black experience and why it is the way it is. I mean, there's a lot more pretty clear politics that's very applicable to now. They're talking about, you know, the cops not giving a shit, the cops hassling people getting you know pulled over for driving while black and it's like the worst cop is a black cop it's not about race it's about power and you know the cycle of violence and there's just like there's so much going on and it pisses me off that it's still relevant yeah because these guys are damn lawrence fishburne needed an oscar nomination off of this he is so good it it might be the first it's the first time i heard the word gentrification in my life and it's like there's there's all these issues in this movie that like are on the tip of everyone's tongue right now Mm-hmm. It's thirty yeah. years old. It's, it's so relevant. It's I mean, thirty years old. About, we talked about do the right thing not that long ago. It's also incredibly relevant. Like 
just though to get off of that for a second, just talk mm-hmm. about the acting. Like, yeah, I am so upset that Cuba Gooding Jr. does not have the career that he really should have. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what's going goodness. on with the choices that he makes in projects or what exactly is going on because he is unbelievably good in this. And he's un- <laughs> he's undeniably talented as well. I think he just he got that Oscar and then took like these starring roles and whatever would cast him. And I think sadly those aren't. <laughs> he had he made an all, a lot of awful choices. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he's unbelievably good in uh, Jerry Maguire as well. Yeah. Like, and yeah. that's what he won the Oscar for. Of course, I also loved like gave me a little chuckle because Jerry Maguire's one of my favorite movies of all time. And you know, Regina King is like yeah. trying to holler at him at the cookout, and <laughs> they they play husband and wife yeah. in Jerry Maguire. I love that. Almost little, everybody like, came out of this movie like. As, as if not a household name, they've held a gold trophy of some kind for their work in the medium. It, mm. It's it's astonishing that everyone here is kind of massively famous after this. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, Every, everyone is just the, they just do a real good job. Like everyone feels not like they're acting. Like I'm just I'm just watching things go down. Like it's not even a movie. I'm just watching things go down. And there's mm-hmm. there's plenty of things that have like become massive cliches now, where it's like you know. The one hopeful guy who might be getting out. It's like being in a war movie and showing someone yep. a picture of your best girl back home. It's like, well, you're about to die then. It's my last date of retirement, Riggs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yep. Going to retire on my boat. The live forever. Well, uh, you should know that me and my male friends walked around for the next four years. Whenever there was an altercation, we'd lift up our shirts. And, you know, got a problem here? Problem here? Like every time. <laughs> I'm very, sure it was just as. It was always hilarious. And the world loved us for it. Because that is, the, <laughs> I'm sure. Because there's a lot to learn about white privilege when you watch this film, uh, uh, especially when you watch it in conjunction with Stand by Me. That these kids have to travel f- for two and a half days to find a dead body, not one block. Um, mm. That I have been arrested for shoplifting, but they police have never come to my house and then taken me and put me in juvie for literal years. I'm sure there was other mm. stuff to that, but it's like all this stuff. Probably I, not actually. Huh? No. Probably no, no, not. No, probably that probably no. didn't happen. Or just and, stuck a gun up your nose. Yeah. Because I felt like it. Yeah. I just feel like this is also a really great examination of trauma and how it affects generations, yeah. how it affects people differently, the different reactions to trauma. Cuba Gooding Jr.'s reaction is to everything that he sees throughout the movie coming to a boiling point right. is just fantastic acting, really gets you. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a moment where he it's in the middle where he's just like been hassled the whole night and a helicopter flies over and he just flinches like he was in Vietnam for four years. Like, I'm just so mm-hmm. fucking tired of this. I, <laughs> yeah. it's but he doesn't wild. say that. He just he just moves. He, his movement is it's wonderful. Yeah, it's the same with Nia Long. She's like trying to do her homework and there's mm-hmm. gunshots and she's like, God damn it. Yeah. How am I supposed to study? It's the anger and being scared and everything wrapped in and being tired and exhausted. Like it's everything wrapped up in one. And, you know, even recently in the past couple of months, I was around for a gun related situation and I'm still jumpy after that. And Mm -hmm. it was extremely scary and traumatic. And it's just very interesting to watch this and see when this is your everyday life, when you're hearing gunshots. Right you know, yeah. almost every day, how that affects you traumatically. Like it, it's just, it's, it's, it's just, a lot I, I, to I, I was, I lived in a bad neighborhood in San Francisco and I heard gunshots, not on a nightly basis, but on a regular basis. But the threat of violence, what, that's the difference is that I wasn't constantly threatened by violence mm-hmm. from, from so many different 
avenues, be it a bad parent, a fucking neighborhood junkie, the police, uh, just a gang wanting to show off. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, there's so many things in this movie to like make you angry and sad. I, I really recommend everybody see this if they haven't already. Yeah. I was, I was expecting this to be really sort of dated and cliched oh. and it, it just, it had so much more depth to it than I was expecting that it, yeah, it freaking held up it is really good. It, it was weird to see Lawrence Fishburne and Angela Bassett play a couple. Yeah. For all of two scenes, but the whole time I was like, don't you hit her! That And when he says something about like uh, going to Vietnam, I'm just picturing him 14 on a boat with Martin Sheen. I was like, yeah, that right. was a bad experience, man. You shouldn't have gone to Vietnam. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. That's, God, <laughs> man, we played that clip of Lawrence Fishburne when he was 16 in that movie, and he sounds like a fucking child. You know, I'm just like, yeah, I'm in Vietnam. Like, <laughs> and it's so crazy. And I think Cuba Gooding Jr., I think he had some television roles, but his last role is sitting silently in the Coming to America barber chair. Like, that's like the last <laughs> movie he was in. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. everybody's getting, like, just this super big opportunity. Uh, Man, at- I'm ready for the Cuba sots. Cuba mm-hmm. needs to come back and really do the roles that he's meant to do, the very emotional, like, roles that he's very, very good at, not snow dogs. Yeah. Yeah. We're thinking radio, too, right? That's what we want? No, okay. Mm. <laughs> he taught me how to love and, and live. Uh, well, pass on at, <laughs> well, after we just talked about Baby Boy a couple weeks ago, yeah. 10 years later from John Singleton, that's got oh. Cuba Gooding's Jr. brother Otis in it, oh. who was watching the whole movie going like, that guy looks so much like Cuba Gooding Jr. Wait, am I being racist? No. Oh, no, wait. It's actually his brother. No, it's, his, whole, his, whole family's <laughs> in, his whole family's in show business. You can see Omar Gooding yeah. in uh, Wild and Crazy Kids. He's the host of that show. And uh, yeah. Boy Meets Cuba World. Gooding's- yeah. That's yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr.'s brother. Oh, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, my God, I had no idea. Yeah. Wait, and Cuba Gooding Sr. was in The Chi Lights, I think? Or Are the you Spinners? Kidding? I always forget which one. Oh, yeah, no, he's so They're like... both great bands. Wow. Ooh. I didn't realize any of that. That's cool. Um, yeah. Let's yeah. get them a variety show. It's huh. difficult to talk about what Boys in the Hood is about other than, like, man, just immediate to the minute cultural angst of 1991. But, a, but yeah, as Diana said, it is, I think, at its core, a slice of life story you've seen a billion times. That's it's like a fucking Christmas story if you set it in a very depressed area of the country without a lot of yep. hope of leaving and no yep. nice narration. <laughs> it's- mm-hmm. Although I did have a, like a solid laugh at the point where like they're all it's South Central and it's real tough and everything. And then there's a scene where they go to Compton mm-hmm. and that's like an actual war zone full of zombies. And they're like, oh, shit, Compton is I don't think we should be here, man. It's like there's always somewhere worse. Yeah, that's the lesson to learn. There's always somewhere worse. Yeah, I, 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 I'm just curious. I spent so much time in California. I, I really had always meant to like, is everything like this still there? Because you know, Lawrence Fishburne's talking about gentrification while it's happening. You got to have some hipsters coming in at least over the last thirty years. But just in in places, er, depressed areas, ghettos, if you will, that I see throughout the country, they all kind of look like this still. They're mm. these modular homes built in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Usually their steps have been <laughs> caved in and removed and bars have been put on the windows. Well, that's one of the things that I think is really cool is that they do a great job of depicting some of these houses are beautifully, very well kept, yeah. like perfectly put together. Some of them are not so much. You see that all the time in depressed areas. You know, there are definitely mm-hmm. people there who are who care about their neighborhood, which is really important point to get across is that. The people who live in these neighborhoods where things aren't safe and things are, you know, run down or whatever, it's not because they don't care about the place they right. live. There's so many other factors going on there. 
Yeah, it's, it totally slipped over my head that Lawrence Fishburne's job is an amazing one. That his job is to put people in his community in homes that they own. Mm-hmm. And like, I just had seen this so much as a young person that all went over my head. But it's it's not the point of the movie. But there's mm-hmm. a wonderful text and subtext in there, and like, def- like defines his character in like a really wonderful way. I also have to say too, Ice Cube's look is iconic. Yeah. Yeah. That's Which the is just look Ice Cube. That a lot of people associate with Ice Cube now is is the mm-hmm. but it is the him. It's just him. And yeah, a, a, I know. Allegedly, John Singleton like didn't know about NWA. <laughs> like he's met Ice Cube when he worked on our Arsenio Hall show, and like this guy would be good in this movie. And like you have no idea, <laughs> you have no idea how good he'd be in this movie. Wow. Andy, Andy was. Um, cool. Hoes got to eat too. God, man, I wish we didn't repeat those lines as much as we did, but we did. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. When he said that, you know, he was talking shit to Regina King. I was just picturing her going home, getting her Oscar, and punching him in the yeah. face with it. So, uh, yeah, that's this, right. It's another Oscar winner in here, bitches. Yeah, this I movie mean. is fantastic. It is immaculate from front to back. Um, mm-hmm. It is. I think it's the best John Singleton movie there is. Yeah. yeah, it's it's Lawrence. One of Lawrence. It is Lawrence Fishburne's best performance for me. I quote him all the time. All the time. He's and just so good. And yeah, he's he's always been like, oh, that guy up mm-hmm. till now. It's like, yeah, he's around. He's that guy. Every... Might be still called Larry. He does not like that. <laughs> oh, really? Good, and to this, yeah. good to know. Yeah. And this help launches it. Oh, no, you do not call him Larry Fishburne. <laughs> really? <laughs> so I was going to walk out of interviews. No, he's very serious. Ooh, but no, okay. that's not my name. Mm. Oh, love yeah. that man. That's not my name. That's Ooh. not my name. Uh, I... <laughs> I hope you enjoyed uh, the three white people talking in depth about Boys in the Hood. But it, it, there's there's plenty of other opinions I encourage you to check out. But like in in terms of like, you know, I have some relatives. What's everybody so mad about after this and that? And like, see Boys in the Hood. Like you, you it'll give you a little sense of what all that rap music and protesting has been all about. Because yeah. it's it, yeah, it's just it's just a wonderful non preachy reminder uh, about mm-hmm. so many things that. Uh, african-americans have had to endure for the last three fucking decades that some of us were deaf to even though we saw boys in the hood again as yeah. a kid this all went over my head but now it just it was it was like watching it with new eyes i loved it loved it yeah i feel like so a lot of people did end up missing some of the point mm-hmm. i just listened to an old episode of the podcast you're wrong about about gangs in the 90s and how there was just like this massive fear that you know the gangs are coming to your the suburban gangs. white town Ooh, boy. oh the bloods and the crips are going to have a shootout in front of your house don't flash your high beams at them because that means they're going to shoot you and it's like sort of what we ended up doing is creating these crash units and gang units and pouring a bunch of money into the cops and that all made the problem worse Mm-hmm. Of course, and which wasn't as bad as we thought it was, but it ended course. up making it worse because we didn't ask the community, what would you like? How would this help keep your kids off the street and not mm-hmm. fall into a gang? Mm-hmm. And for a little slice of my life, I can no longer talk to people I've been friends with since childhood because I made such a ruckus last year in Facebook comments over people in my hometown referring to footage of more than three back black people at a protest as a gang. And like, Mm. we really, really need to stop doing that. And uh, I was so overwhelmed by these people I thought were very, had generally been pretty lovely up until this point. And I am blocked from so many Facebook accounts now. And I think I have to fight people next time we see each other in bars. So one of those things to hope the pandemic keeps on going. Mm. 
Well, so, you can call in some Antifa super soldiers to help you. Oh, I just got yeah. to get on that Antifa mailing list, man. It's The, yeah. mm-hmm. the listserv is popping <laughs> off. Yeah. I yeah. mean, George Soros is how I'm paying my mortgage, man. Oh, man. He just, he just sends me checks because I'm a Jew. Oh, look, found him on Facebook. <laughs> I liked Antifa on Facebook. Followed. Oh, no. Followed. Uh. <laughs> you, you know what you could probably bond with your friends about? What? your old friends because this is a segue from going from a very black movie to an incredibly white one mm-hmm. but oh, uh, like- fun as hell one like one of my favorite stupid stupid movies this is let me let me pause it that these two movies is the this is the most american grouping wow. of movies wow. both of these movies are uniquely american like you could not yes. make these movies wow. in another country because yeah the it's things so that you talk about and find in these wow. movies is America. Yeah. That, America. This, this, these are very good Fourth of July pick. Would have been very good Fourth of July. I watched picks. them this weekend, and Ooh. both of them, I was like, "Wow, this is America." Yeah, I, uh, thank point, you, Childish Gambino. Uh, this, I, I, I spoke of it once. There were two movies I became obsessed with around this time because I saw them and then I dreamed about them for the rest of the week. The first one was mm-hmm. Dances with Wolves. This next one is okay. the next next one and the last time that's really ever happened to me. Oh. Um, wow. Ga- Gary Busey, Laurie Petty, Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, and one of the greatest movies of all time, Point Break. You want to nail the bank robbers and be a big hero? Definitely. <laughs> the ex-presidents are surfers. Rock and roll. I'm an FBI agent. I know, man. Isn't it wild? Patrick Swayze. Keanu Reeves. 100% pure adrenaline. Point break. Opens Friday. I love, I love, love love this movie. This movie. I love this movie so much. It's so fucking dumb. It it, it is. Hold on. It it, it is dumb. It is. It is dumb. But like, I was. Is it silly? I th- I think okay. it's not even silly. Like I think they yeah. they had like we should have a crime movie with surfers and like yeah that's dumb and something Hollywood should do. But like how they get there is like Gary Busey has a theory that these ring of bank robbers are surfers based on the toxicology reports of the sand they left on one of the bank. This all tracks. This is good. This is <laughs> good screenwriting. To me. It, like- <laughs> Look, I heard this on a podcast today that I was listening to about the Fast and Furious franchise that. There's a difference between stupid movies and silly movies. And silly okay. movies, I, I would venture to say that I think Point Break is silly but not stupid. I do think okay. it knows what it's doing when it's being oh, bombastic yeah. and over the top. And that lawnmower scene, oh my gosh. So good. <laughs> so good. Wild. Sh- All right. I'll give you that one. It is silly I, instead of just it's, stupid. It's because I, you know, this if it's stupid and fun, I guess that sort of makes it silly naturally. Because this yes. is, it yeah. is a fun movie. It is a pretty movie. It is entertaining, but it's also just so silly. Okay. Also, I can't believe you left out John C. McGinley. That this is my no. inter- this is my introduction to John Steelers. C. McGinley. I lo- I quoted him forever. Young, dumb, full of cum. Uh, <laughs> is that where that phrase originated? This from? is where I first heard it. He okay. he, he plays he plays the most hyper cliched police 
uh, captain, but it's the best version of that I've ever seen in my whole life. It we is just need him to yell "gun badge" on my desk. Oh my god! But he screams so loud. It is. Well, look, you're I... over the line, Utah. <laughs> I've been watching Scrubs recently before I go to bed, so I am on a John C. McGinley like fully immersive experience right now and i was so happy to see him pop up in this movie i've never seen again, him before one of film's greatest yellers yes just mm. he i mean as far as delivering a line scrubs has its issues the writing is wild but this the way he talks it rivals any west wing episode like the speeches the mm. the turn of phrase it's so perfect anyway sorry that's my john c mcginley like <laughs> Love time. I point just love point Break, so originally titled Johnny Utah, after Keanu Reeves' ex-football player, now FBI agent character, must That's inf- a Western. Infil- do cut. infiltrate do cut. a group of surfers um, to figure out if they are, in fact, the ex-presidents, a gang of bandits who every summer knock over banks. And I love those details of, like, they only, they only go for the drawers, they never go for the vault, and they're out in 90 seconds. They're really hard to catch because they don't get greedy. Uh-huh. And how they end up piecing together they might be surfers through toxicology reports and the fact that their uh, business is seasonal. So uh-huh. they leave after the summer. And if you've never that's, seen... It's, it's fucking brilliant! That's it's silly, <laughs> but not stupid. Like, I, 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 I gotta say, it's one, of the, it's, one of the, it's one of the greatest, like, ugh, tonal action movies ever and it's from fucking Catherine Bigelow who we won't talk yeah. about for a little while but she does it again with Strange Days she's like one of the best action directors there is in this she's also this super hot lady who only gets to make a movie every five fucking years Why? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense this movie's fantastic also by the way she's going up head to head against T2 yeah which yep. which was a, her ex-husband co- helped co-write well, it minus- but he was Actually, a producer I- on this so yeah, hmm. who, well, I think there, he was attached for a little while. Ridley Scott was attached for a little while. I think Catherine Bigelow and James Cameron will be breaking up about now because he is fucking Linda Hamilton right. on yes. the set of Terminator 2. I mean, no, have the, you the, seen the, his he, arms? Can you blame him? He said, but, he said, he said yes, they're, they're he broken up. Yes, on Point Break, so. Right. Yeah, no, he, he they, they are uncredited uh, co- co-writers, both of them, because they developed oh. it for four years. They they lived together and did it, developed it for four years after oh. the credited screenwriter wrote it. Yeah. What? Why are you de- why are you denying this? this is like public information? <laughs> I just I'm like mm, really James Cameron. Were you really that yeah. much involved? Okay. Yeah. All like right, look right. look at his involvement in her other films. Like why do you think Bill Paxton's always around in uh, Catherine yeah. Bigelow joints? They're, they're all hanging out and doing shit. Yeah. Near Dark. Fucking great movie. Yeah. Okay. Everyone's sleeping on it. But uh, also, yeah, and that's why I love bringing. I love just pointing to Catherine Bigelow, and people are like, oh, "Women directors only want to make movies about like their periods or whatever." And it's like Catherine Bigelow has made this is the most bro dude yes, movie of all time. It is the better. It is a better Brett Ratner or Tony Scott movie that has ever existed, and it's it's direct shepherded by this woman. Why can't she make these movies today? I just want her to make more Point Breaks. And less military dramas, <laughs> and less zero dark thirties. Yeah, yeah. Less. I don't. I don't not <laughs> the a bad opposite of this movie. Not a bad. Not a bad <laughs> film. But like all of her films up to this point are like super fucking fun and evocative. Like she's like un- the most underrated action director of this era. Period. Uh, yeah. And and this is and I fell in love with this movie to super early age, and I wouldn't have known a woman directed it for like a, the, the next ten years. But. Yeah, uh, but- well, I feel like one of the things that you can tell that like the only thing that might be a tiny clue that a woman directed it is that like the f- one female character that matters mm-hmm. is treated with sort of like equal weight and respect as our main character. I mean, she isn't 
first of all, it's Lori Petty. So mm -hmm. it's not yeah. just, you know, they could have gotten like Pamela Anderson or someone is like the sexy bitch, babe. Mm -hmm. Instead, she's like, she's tough. She's cool. She's, you know, got a androgynous name. She doesn't put up with bullshit. Like mm. she's, she's got a short haircut. Yeah, she looks like she's, Billy Joe Armstrong in this movie and yeah, <laughs> with yeah. a better butt. That's that's not the direction that most male directors I think would take that. I don't love that she has to spend a lot of the second half of the movie in lingerie. And this, eh, not my favorite James part or... of it. But also too, we cannot forget the wonderful acting that we get to see from Anthony Kiedis. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a waste of time. He's even doing the give it away hand motions in his like only lines. <laughs> That would be a waste of time. Uh, oh my the, god! I told I told my cousin. I, my cousin is like ten years older than me. I told her I saw it. She's like, "Anthony Kiedis in that movie? Can we watch it?" I'm like, I watched it this morning, but we can watch it again right now. And that's she only wanted to see the movie for Anthony Kiedis. Wow! Uh, and yes, okay. Did she change her mind when she saw his hairstyle? Because yikes! I, I don't know how he ended up. Because I don't know. This this movie is so great, and if we haven't said it is gorgeous. And not only contains some of the best surfing footage mm -hmm. in like, oh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's obviously documentary stuff that's shot a little better, but like, I'm still astonished at a lot of these shots. And then on top of that adrenaline rush, they add in skydiving to the mix. And those are some of the craziest practical scenes where it genuinely looks like, oh, are people in danger here? That is Patrick Swayze falling mm -hmm. in. And apparently if that scene specifically, like he wasn't supposed to do that insurance said he was legally not allowed to do that. And he did it anyway. Yep. And he just jumps yeah, out of the God, plane. So Same great. thing. Learned, learned how to surf. That's mostly him surfing. Mm -hmm. It's mostly Keanu surfing. Yep. He Keanu. became a surfer after this. Yep. Wow. But yeah, they did a couple. Uh, it was something like 40, 50 skydiving jumps. Yeah. And he was just like, yeah, Patrick says is just like, well, yeah. Why of wouldn't course I? I'm going It'll to look do better. It. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Patrick Swayze, truly one of the best. But also... We cannot forget about the indelible American imagery that comes from a guy in a Ronald Reagan mask shooting a flamethrower after robbing a bank. Like, is there any better <laughs> metaphor for the, just coming out of the 80s at that point? Yeah. Oh Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I, I have to give I have to give Patrick Swayze a ton of credit because it is a part that could be really stupid. Right. So just annoying and stupid like oh you think you're like so philosophical you fucking beach bum yeah it's just like he can sell it i think yeah, i think people can he had a reeves on the other hand <laughs> like there is a reason there is a stage version of this called point break live oh so hoping you talk about this yeah where a, a member of the audience has to play keanu reeves a random part. member of the audience is selected to play the main role of keanu reeves right and they read everything <laughs> off of cue cards and mm -hmm. that way they can really capture the essence of his performance because it is really dumb i mean it's it's serviceable and i think i think a lot of people confuse what is said in this film it's keanu reeves in a very california accent but it's patrick swayze saying most of the bohemian lines yes it, it, just totally. a rush man always chasing that rush brah it's I don't know. I still think beyond that, it's beautiful. It has beautiful. all that homoeroticism yeah. of a Top Gun. Mm, yes. <laughs> These men love <truly>. each other. <laughs> Lots of men wearing jeans in situations that where jeans would be very uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm. Or hugging Playing each other with no beach. shirts on. Yeah. Jumping out of an airplane. Yeah. Also, too, a perfect ending. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's the that... cops. I'm going to spoil it, so just watch out, everyone. The cops don't get their guy. Yeah. He gets yeah. to just... 
Because I mean, yeah, if you ever better than that, if you've seen the documentary Endless Summer, Bodie goes around to wherever the the waves are and the weather is uh, all throughout the year. And I just I absolutely loved it, too, because I'm really at a point now where it's kind of hard. If it's hard to watch heist movies, or if it, I don't know, it gives a different flavor when you watch these movies where people are robbing a bank and then you see like a security guard pull a gun in a mm. very dangerous situation. It's like, it's just money that's yeah, insured. I gotta what make sure this doing? guy pays, then take a picture of his license plate. Yes, like, like, why are you risking your life for some insured money that's not yours? Right. Like, <laughs> wild to me. Like, now watching it in that context. You took my phone and my Pokemon Go account. I'll I mean, him. that's something I'll to pull a gun for. Sure. sure. <laughs> it makes a little more sense. All my digital purchases. <laughs> Disney Magic Kingdoms. <laughs> I'm on a streak. I'm never going to get that back. Well, it's good. We've got uh, three more heist movies coming up. This episode, there are heists in a whole bunch of movies, and I'm trying to think if anyone actually gets hurt. Not really. Mm. Or okay, one of them. Hurt in Point Break. Yeah, there's one of them. A guard gets it from a dragon. But episode has a real heist infection. (laughs) I did not think of that at all. All right. (laughs) All right. I did not think of that as a heist movie, but it counts. I suppose it counts. I, yeah, we got to move on, but I, I, I'm i more comfortable talking about Point Break than I am Boys in the Hood, but these are really two of my favorite movies of like the entire 90s. And yeah. I'll say two of the finest examples of movies from the early 90s, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. In the yeah, top Yeah, and it's five, amazing that they're, you think they're happening probably 10 miles apart. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. That's what I thought Sarah was getting at with like the the two shades of America, like completely yeah. different worlds. It's July Fourth uh, in Los Angeles. A couple Los exits Angeles. away from one another. Yeah, <laughs> and, totally. Wow. Yeah. What a great double feature, honestly. Yep. Who yeah. thought? So moving on to television, yeah. this was the organic watch I did for no reason, and I looked it up. I'm like, oh, what? Whoa. This is a uh, thirty twenty ten time. Um, Mystery Science Theater two thousand, I believe, just last month queued up its third season. But what I had aspired to do was to go through some of my favorite episodes of Mystery Science Theater two thousand, and that's where Joel and the bots watch Gamera. Gamera, the Gamera phenomenon, which I don't think there can be any argument with pop culture scholars. Millions more people know who Gamera is purely from being on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah. And they have Mystery Science to thank for Gamera still being relevant. He was always a Godzilla knockoff, always a less than Godzilla movie in the 60s and 70s. And MST3K made new fans like me. And uh, mm-hmm. the they, the second episode of the third season, they watched the first of five Gamera films. And I'm only Ooh. bringing it up because I'm a Kickstarter and the only movies they have announced is like they will finally be doing another Gamera, um, the sixth from that oh. seven movie Showa se- uh, series. We will finally get to see them riff it again. I'm so happy. <laughs> and then moving on to The Simpsons on the 11th, Blood Feud. Um, what is this episode The Simpsons about? doing Burns new episodes blood. in the summer? Yeah, I'm not really sure why this is here. Um, um, but it, it, it that... yeah, it aired on the yeah, it definitely aired on the 11th. Um, it's not a repeat. That's probably a repeat. No, no, it's it's original air date is the 11th. I'm, yeah, I'm positive. Weird. Okay. But there, there were you know, it's Fox. There's all these events and Michael Jackson music videos to premiere. You just push off uh, some of those episodes. Ah. Blood Feud was part of the season two production run and fell completely uh. behind schedule. So it airs. Oh. It airs here. Um, in July. Jeez. You think they just hold on to it for the third season then? Yeah. Just be like, screw it. Uh, a little treat. But yeah. Uh, uh, 
Burns needs blood and Bart has it. That's that's all we're going to talk. There's too much to talk fucking talk about than to go in more in depth in the Simpsons. Moving on to the video games of 1991. Magic Land Dizzy is doing well in the UK, but not a lot of uh, concrete game release dates. But I will get you more of those on patreon.com slash laser time. We have at least two or three we're behind. We have two or three 30 2010 game episodes. The video game apocalypse boys in the can and ready to go. So patreon.com slash laser time five bucks bonus show sick of Star Wars movie commentaries. And we'll talk way more in depth about the games. It'll be a surprise to me when I edit it because I got so drunk I don't remember it. So that hey! looks, I know you make your jokes, but that does not always happen to me. I don't know what was going on. I just exercised a lot that day. Uh, yes. I have maybe that had something to do with it. But 1991 music, July 9th to the 15th, amazing. This reminds me of my cousin as well. She was probably walked into my house with a T-shirt from the first Lollapalooza tour. She hmm. was it's like 10 years older than me, and she was the coolest person I knew. Damn, she and, was cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she had been to Lollapalooza, and has all these band names that I didn't know yet, but would go on to be like, you saw all those bands in one place? Uh, because mm-hmm. it's a festival put on by Perry Farrell of Jane's Addiction. I think they're still together. Oh, they are, because they're on the main stage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with uh, Susie and the Banshees, Living Color, uh, Nine Inch Nails, Ice Tea, and Body Count, Butthole Surfers, uh, Rollins Band, Violent Femmes, and Fishbone. Fishbone. Ooh, that that is a lineup. It, Nine it, Inch Nails is an up and comer still. We don't really know them. It is. It is. A, it is a lineup, and yeah. it's it's also interesting to think that like um we're getting Lollapalooza and Boys in the Hood this week compared to what is coming out and what's popular, there's about to be a change in America and its taste in music. In like less than a year, it'll completely flip because Rush Rush by Paul Abdul is number one. That kind of pop won't be be on the charts for much longer. Um, we're going to get a different flavor yeah. of, of music to two wonderfully separate degrees. We also have mm-hmm. new releases this week. Haha, speaking of, we can't be stopped by the Ghetto Boys. Is this the one that has like my favorite Halloween song? Am I just playing tricks on me? I don't know. Woodface by Crowded House, Baby Teeth by Therapy, uh, and Am I Cooler What's an album of R&B and jazz songs about Garfield, the cartoon cat uh, featuring the Pointer Sisters, B.B. King, Natalie Portman, Patti LaBelle, and the Temptations. <laughs> That- I wish you were Natalie Portman. Natalie Cole. Natalie Cole, my bad. <laughs> <Patty> LaBelle <laughs> and The Temptations. It is all on YouTube. I have listened to it. This is not... Sometimes like cartoons, they would do you know a soundtrack, and it was just like a bunch of covers, and that was fine. I mean, no, 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 Garfield had no, Lou no, no. Rawls singing all these cool songs and about Lou it. Lou Rawls is on this too, but <laughs> these are original songs about Garfield. And, and Diana, this isn't even the album of original songs about Garfield I was thinking of. There's a more electronic version that it was popular in the UK. <laughs> oh, God. No, this is extremely late 80s, early 90s. And it it is agonizing to listen to The Temptations sing Shake Your Paw. Oh, my goodness. It this is, is a, agonizing. This is an album for people who do not love their cats enough to make up little songs for them for every time they see them. Like I do. Yeah. <laughs> I have to do it every time it thunders. And even more on 4th of July. Biscuit's oh not God. afraid of fireworks. He's a happy dog. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is, we have so, so, so much to talk about this week, but turning this up, just <laughs> this, this is the sort of just forgotten oddity that I guarantee there is one person listening right now. It's like, oh yeah. my God, we played it in the car when I was a kid. Yeah. There's one kid who this is like their favorite album and will it, like, <laughs> will probably turn them into the winter soldier. They know these lyrics so well. <laughs> It's, it, it's, <laughs> Someone's getting activated by this. It is. For sure. True. <laughs> but that's why we're going to close out with Shake Your Paw by The Temptations off of the Garfield album. <laughs> My cooler what? 
I uh, hope there's a bunch of Lorenzo music voice drops in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Uh, but, Jesus, we wanted to think too much about Garfield, because when we return, people, it'll be the year 2001. Get ready to travel a whole decade. Stay right there. Come on and gather around. It's not hard to do. Folks, you might have heard us talk about Manscaped and the importance of male grooming before. Well, now that summer is upon us and the clothes are starting to come off, it's more important than ever to give yourself a little boost of confidence and look your personal best by taking care of some of that stray body hair. Some of it down there. Since it's so hot, you might even want to trim things a bit shorter than usual. And when you do, take it from two guys who have learned the hard way, more than we care to admit, you want to be sure you're doing so safely, especially when trimming the hair down there. And that is where Manscaped can help. It may be a scorcher out there, but it's time to bundle up in here. With Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, a.k.a. the GOAT of ball trimmers. Go! Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold on to your goodies. Their fourth-generation Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunctional on-off switch that can engage a travel lock, and gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? In the shower or in the wild, and from your chest pubes all the way down to your ball fro, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the best trimmer for you. Want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ears. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Not those delicate holes, you sickos. Your ear and nose holes. Uh, once you're done grooming, you seal the deal with Manscaped's delightfully scented liquid formulations. Before heading outside, use Crop Preserver Bowl Deodorant to keep you on your game in the heat. Then, after trimming the lawn and whacking your weeds, give your beach balls a boost with Crop Reviver. There are few things as refreshing as a little spritz from the Crop Reviver. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level and get 20% off and free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME, one word, LASERTIME at manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and the weeds this summer and shine with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Just move in silence and rep to the death. It's official. I survived what I've been through. Y'all got drama. The saga continues. We ain't going nowhere. We ain't going nowhere. We can't be stopped now. Cause it's bad boy for life. Coming in 2001 with P. Diddy. Is he Diddy now? He's Diddy. He's no longer the daddy. Uh, Bad Boys for Life off the saga continues uh, with P. Diddy, the Bad Boy family. Black Rob? Like, whoa, didn't we lose him mm-hmm. recently? I see yeah. Travis Barker in the background of the music video. 
Um, yes, welcome to 2001. We are in a totally different decade. Do not look forward to your slice of life hood movies or your surfing uh, heist films. That's not going to happen here. It's a different decade. It's completely different flavors of film. But music, new releases uh, fr- from The Calling with Camino Palmero. Uh, Long Distance by Ivy is out. Skin by Melissa Etheridge uh, is out. Say What You Are by Saves the Day. And Demolition by Judas Priest. You Remind Me by Usher is still number one. Mm. <laughs> and there, oh, so many more movies. And they're they're all, if not excellent, incredibly notable. Yes. Um, I mean, at the top, B.G. Phillips, Rachel Miner, and Brad Renfro. R.I.P. to him as well. And uh, Bully is this Larry Clark or Harmony Corinne? Was that what you said? Larry Clark. It's a Larry Clark joint. It's based on a true case out of Florida about uh, this gang of teenagers who killed the Kill one bully. of them. Well, they who killed was their bully. being a bully mm-hmm. and uh, cut him up real bad and threw him to the gators. Yep. I haven't and, seen this uh, in a while. Yeah, I I haven't watched it. I read a ton of reviews and a lot of them, a lot of them had, you know, praise for it. And But a lot of them said, like, this is so brutal and so painful. Uh, Nick Stahl is like the bully character and he's just uh, sexually assaulting everyone and humiliating people and beating them up. And it's just like. There, you know, it's Larry Clark, so it's going to be teenagers doing horrible things, like in kids, mm-hmm. uh, with probably no hope <laughs> at the end. Mm-hmm. It's just like, this is the horrible, gritty things that are happening when you're not paying attention. But not in a life of, like, life-affirming, interesting way, like Boys in the Hood. It's just ugliness! Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oof. That was so a hard pass for me. Your weekend. mileage may vary on if that's something you want to undertake. I mean, because a lot of the critics had nice things to say about it, but it's going to be a hard one. Like, what were some of the nice things, though? Like, you know, that the, the acting is good, and obviously it doesn't pull its punches. There's no, like, lesson in hugging mm, at the end. Okay, gotcha. You know. I was just curious. Well, yeah. speaking of ugliness, we have the most expensive <laughs> ugliness ever put on Ooh. screen. Um, oh. That's not fair. That's uh, not fair. It's not fair at all. But um, it's this is this might be the most fascinating film we talk about this week, uh, but definitely not one of the best or recommended. Great cast, though. Perry Gilpin, Steve Buscemi. Hey, look at that. Uh, Ving Rhames, Donald Sutherland, James Woods, Alec Baldwin, Migna Nguyen, and uh, uh, Final Fantasy. What? Uh, Final All Fantasy. I gotta say is, good God, Roz. <laughs> Final <laughs> Fantasy, The Spirits Within. We have something on radar. They came to our planet. What is that? They destroyed our cities. But this summer... Get together a group of your most trusted men. They'll learn. They messed with the wrong species. All right, everybody, here they come. The city may be lost, but we are not. It's too dangerous. Fire in the hole! Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. It is not a fairy tale. It is true. Sounds awesome. Oh, boy, but this is... Oh, boy. I mean, you can get into the history with the video game stuff. Uh, it, it's it's back, it took them four years to make this movie. Yeah, and um, Final Fantasy at this point we talked about. I know we talked about seven on the show. Was that like ninety seven? Maybe um, when Final Fantasy seven comes out and has these fully rendered cutscenes. So you're seeing like at the time what we referred to as Pixar level animation in these video game cutscenes, and it was enthralling. It was incredibly great to look at, and some most of those. Square games were kind of based around mundane gameplay where you unlocked these beautiful uh, cinematics that you couldn't see in any other medium. It's neat. Like, we're, we haven't had that many Pixar movies yet uh, in 2001. I think we're, yep. we're at like. So people are trying to do the same thing yes. of like, let's 
build ourselves a massive computer studio and but this time we're going for photorealism yes so square uh before it mer- merges with the, this almost jeopardizes their merger with enix because <laughs> yeah. how they say this how movie cost money this lost? <laughs> 200 million dollars but like that's how much the movie cost building the studio and the servers this brought down the entire studio uh, this is their, they were one and done. I think they maybe worked on a short in the Animatrix um, mm-hmm. after this, but they were they were done and they never made another picture. I think it was kind of a, a colossal miss. And I don't want to go too too into de- detail because I don't know this for certain. But you both probably you're not gamers, but you've heard of Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think they. Yeah. Great, I played one. They greatly... Japan has had this amazing luxury where they would make video games and then they would bring them out in the United States and they would sell as much, if not more, as they sold in Japan. But hmm. it was always an afterthought. They weren't making things for a U.S. audience. So they probably saw the numbers like, man, a ton of these Americans are buying Final Fantasy. And it's like, yeah, a ton of gamers are buying Final Fantasy in America, but there are way more people over here. This is not a household name. People don't understand what this means. And... Nope. do. Do you understand that every Final Fantasy is kind of like the last story in different universes? Every Final Fantasy does not contain the same characters or protagonists or story. It is they're loosely connected. Uh, yeah, it's not something everybody understands. Nope. But in, in if, and if you saw a Final Fantasy game, oh, that's so pretty and filled with life and greenery, and, and this is just one of the dullest looking movies ever. Grays with hints of pink, and they went for photorealistic performances that I don't... Do they look mocap to you, Diana? No. That's, that's what I think. I guess the, they were. Badly. Somehow. I mean, not in a different style than, say, the Avatar eventually was, mm-hmm. but... I mean, it probably is filming actors in front of like a blue screen and then and then drawing around them, I guess. I I don't know, because, I mean, if you ever need to explain the Uncanny Valley to someone, yeah, I think that's what ends up sinking this movie. I mean, there's a couple things sink this movie. One, I don't know what Final Fantasy is about. I just recognize the name. This apparently doesn't really connect to any of yeah. the games. Well, the games, the games have like, all the games, have, for instance, have like, chocobos or a merchant named sid but they don't they're they don't have the same characters the same worlds in the right. it's uh and, it's just the last fantasy of this realm or planet right um, and this is a futuristic post-apocalyptic thing after these like alien ghost things attack yeah, yeah. and then it's about like fight if collecting all the MacGuffins to stop the ghost things they can repel the the ghost alien things very gamey and uh you have to do this before evil James Woods like activates a space laser that he thinks is going to wipe him out, but it's probably just going to kill everybody. And yeah. you get like a ragtag group of guys and you go together to get all the ghost thingies. And uh, yeah, like sometimes it's beautiful mm-hmm. and sometimes it's creepy as fuck because mm-hmm. you really hit that uncanny valley of things look close enough to human, but not quite right. And like my big complaint is None of the characters have any weight when they walk. They walk like marionettes. Mm-hmm. And that just is so creepy. It, it, it's in, And that's why the movie isn't really worth watching now. Because the praise was not good critically. And what <laughs> praise there was to be had was like in the marketing and in the reviews, it's like we are looking at a Snow White moment. A a thing we thought we, we have, could never see on screens is happening before our eyes. A new technology uh, is making movies for us and we've never seen anything like it. And it is kind of 
we are kind kind of in awe of the technology and how how Square got us here, but the story sucks. And mm. with that awe, twenty years removed, dude, this movie has nothing of value. <laughs> it, no, it is, it's it's a curiosity, but yeah. just looking at the numbers was shocking because yeah. we just talked about Shrek at the beginning of the summer, and that mm. cost probably about fifty million dollars plus marketing. This costs like two and a half times as much. Yeah. Like it cost almost as much as Shrek just to get the studio built and operating. Yeah. Yeah, That's it, how much money they were throwing at this. It, it and is, they it, lost all of it. It is technologically more advanced than Shrek. You can see that on yeah. if you watch them both back to back. It is more advanced than Shrek, but it ultimately didn't matter that much. Final Fantasy didn't have the same as much cachet with people. And ironically, I think if they would have made a Final Fantasy movie out of any pre-existing game, they would have been better off, like including characters people knew. And yep. and they opted to stay true to themselves. And oh boy, it is it is it is like it's it's like this earned hubris that I, I don't fault <laughs> them for. But it's just it's it's sad. It makes me sad when I think about this film and yeah. uh, a, a, a valiant effort to move to literally move the medium forward. And it's just not ultimately not very good. Yeah, I think the best thing that came out of it is a bunch of bikini pinups of the main character. Oh my god, there was. <laughs> <laughs> a period right right when I got in the game that ended right when I got in the games industry of putting digital characters in like Maxim and Sports mm-hmm. Illustrated. Oh my god, it's so fucking embarrassing. <laughs> it's so <laughs> fucking embarrassing. Oh god. Um if you wonder why men are unevolved sometimes, we were jerking off to cartoons in men's magazines. Um, yeah. So this is like <sighs> probably better part of $200 million on this. And yep. it's so effects. I mean, basically it's one giant special effect. And the next movie costs $10 million is effects heavy. Effe- yeah. And I would watch for 24 hours straight rather than watch Final Fantasy Spirits Within again. I didn't get to watch. I the love whole- the next movie so much. What I, wow. what I What I was so happy with is I had never seen it in high def. I'd only yeah. seen it in standard definition. And Stephen Chow's Shaolin Soccer is absolutely phenomenal. I think it's a far better movie than people give it credit for. Because it is, it is yes. like a pitch-perfect parody of a sports movie with mm-hmm. like incredibly smart humor that, you know, I think when I was when I would watch it, I'm like, uh, there's a lot of subtitle stuff. Get to the effects. But like, dude, it's really clever before it gets to the effects. It's awesome. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Perplexed by this. you, you didn't, you weren't feeling shell and soccer. I so I watched it. I watched, okay. well, I did not watch all of it mm. because well, it, it is slow to so get moving. Long, oh my yeah. god, it takes so long to get to the soccer. And once we got to the soccer, like that was starting to get really cool. By but that point, I was a little worn out by the nightclub scenes <laughs> and the like making up a song that like. Am I supposed to get that joke of why that song was supposed to be funny? I don't know. (laughs) And the, like, taking the girl to the mall, like... All of that part, I was just, it just takes so long to get to I, but probably I think, what is a really good movie. Yeah, I, I think mm. what, what is, is happening here is this is some of the biggest Western exposure to a Chinese-made comedy that mm-hmm. we'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of jokes in there about like stuff that clearly is referencing something that I don't, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Specific to Hong Kong. Yeah. And we won't see this for two years. 2001 is when Shaolin soccer comes out in China. I I remember. we don't get it till 2003. Okay. I remember they were leaking footage of this on porn sites because we were (laughs) in a pre YouTube world and there was nowhere 
to put stuff like to host video essentially in a streaming player and mm. that is how like some me and my friends found out this movie existed like look at this fucking soccer game with this cg wire foo with this <laughs> with characters how, how can i be nice about this too chubby to be action stars but just fun just it's all yeah. it, it's well, so I much mean, fun it is it is slobs versus snobs it's about mm-hmm. Stephen chow is uh like a custodian who's uh decide he he wants to spread the good word about kung fu and how kung fu can help people in their daily lives and he tries a couple things to do this and eventually settles on oh soccer tournament let's me and my brothers who are all kung fu masters at different things we're we're gonna form a team and we're gonna win this soccer tournament and they're playing team evil who are all like corrupt and bad guys and they took american medicine and now they have like superpowers too (laughs) Yeah, it's I, uh, yeah, and so I mean, there's lots of like kicking the ball, and the turf rips in half, and the ball is on fire, and now it's a cheetah, and you know, using the effects in just incredibly silly ways. It's Stephen Chow obviously loves Looney Tunes. Yeah, oh, like yes. it is very, yes. very Looney Tunes. I mean, Kung Fu Hustle is next movie is where it's like yeah, it has, real obvious. It has better effects than Space Jam. It, it like yeah. it is kind of a better Space Jam in certain because if you want a cartoon sports movie this is good and and yeah i was telling sarah over the weekend just that like stephen chow i thought was like gonna go on to be like a household name worldwide kung fu hustle is a more refined bigger hit uh for mm-hmm. stephen chow and like that movie came with your playstation 3 if you bought yeah. a playstation 3. yeah like everybody is aware of kung fu hustle and then i was looking into what he had made after that and he kind of made you know his you know his et movie and then like adaptation of journey to the west which is not which for japan for not japan but for the east is like a huge story and here we don't really care and yeah and i i've watched the journey to the west and it's really good but he just he moved out out of comedy yeah yeah and it's such a shame because yeah action comedy it's hard to do yeah and those two in particular shaolin soccer and kung Kung fu Fu Hustle. hustle like are so silly again we're back to silliness but silly but incredibly fun i I, I was very bolstered in that watching this for homework for the show. Uh, I was with my parents and they're like, well, what are you watching for the show? I'm like, eh, yeah, I'm Shaolin soccer, but I don't know if you guys want to watch it. And we all watched it together Yeah, and I, they wow. loved it. I, th- my they dad were laughing the whole time and they don't even care about soccer and they don't really care about Kung Fu movies we, either. We couldn't make they it, were we, having a blast. We couldn't make it work, but my dad had been watching, you know, English footy ball all weekend and like, <laughs> we should watch Shaolin soccer. He's like, Shaolin what? What's Shallon? And like, you're going to love it. And, and he, I know he would have. I'm just, I'm surprised you got there before me. <laughs> you showed <laughs> to your parents. Because, I, yeah, I think my dad would have found it like to be a fucking trip. Yeah. It, you, Sarah's completely right in that it does take a long time for us to get to the soccer. Yes. Mm-hmm. But a lot of what's going on there is still pretty fun. Him dealing with his brother, Ironhead, whose job is to get yelled at by the owner of a club and then hit with bottles. Yeah. It's still like it's not really going anywhere, but I still found it really funny. Yeah, and there's yeah, singing a song. Maybe, maybe if we sing songs about kung fu, that'll make people interested. <laughs> it's really <laughs> pathetic. Uh, and but yeah, more graceful physical comedy. Um, coming out of the east, like I was, I was hugely behind this movie. I love it to death. Um, and I, I didn't even get to finish it, but I'm going to when we're done recording and I'm done editing. But um, Jesus, the next movie is well, hard pivot, thoroughly different Whoa. flavor. <laughs> This um, next movie, ooh, it is a different. I'm into it. Kind of classic. It is. It is one of those movies. I remember I saw it and I couldn't watch it again for a while because it was like too <laughs> fucking nerve wracking. Uh, <laughs> Ian McShane, Ben Kingsley, and Ray Winstone and a sexy beast. And so 
Ray Winstone plays the main guy, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sam and I were watching this movie and we were trying to think of who does he remind us of? Beowulf. And it is <laughs> it is a mixture between Sean Bean and Mad Eye Moody. The okay. actor who plays Mad Eye Moody. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. It is like the perfect mashup yeah. of those two guys. But he... yeah. Oh my God. This movie is fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> like yeah, I really loved it. I mean, Sam and I watched it together and I think I might've been a little bit more into it than Sam was. Cause at the end, Sam just turned to me and said, I don't know what the fuck I just watched. <laughs> well, just like the, the idea of even Jesus, 20 years ago, like the guy who won an Oscar for got playing Gandhi is playing one of the most intimidating characters in intense characters on film I've ever seen. A truly sadistic uh, against Ray Winstone, who always plays the like, I'll punch anybody in the stomach and then murder them. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, and he's and, and, <laughs> and then also like the boss of him is also a truly sadistic motherfucker. I mean Ian McShane. Yeah. Wow wow and we, wow. And we are before the Ian McShane Assance. Right. Deadwood hasn't happened yet. So he's right. just sort of like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah, and he's just got a couple scenes where he and he just scares the piss out of you. The, it's so because he's so unusual looking. Like he's a mm -hmm. very unusual looking guy. But this movie really gets its like it really sticks in your craw because it feels like a bottle movie in a lot of ways. They are yeah. always in very small places together. Like it, they are. It's almost a bottle movie because almost yeah. all of it takes place at Ray Winstone's house until you get to the heist, which is a whole other cool scene, like on yeah. its own. Like, yeah. So we separate. should we should just we should describe Sorry. a little bit. Sorry. So let me <laughs> so see because I didn't Ray, get to rewatch it. Yeah, Ray Winstone okay, is a so retired gangster, and out of nowhere, Don the Ben Kingsley character shows up and like, hey, I got a new heist. You in? No, I don't do that anymore. He's like, I wasn't really asking. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and just proceed like it's not a bad companion piece to bully. <laughs> uh, a, <laughs> yeah, uh, he just barks at him like a dog. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and, and like you, no, what's up? But Ray Winston's like afraid to say no, but he's trying to like he's trying to find a way to say no. I'm not going to do this. That's not going to get him killed. Yeah. So mm -hmm. he and his wife are like living in torment with this awful fucking character, wanting to drag him on one last heist that he's not allowed not to participate in for a weekend too. For like weekend. that's the thing that I love so much is that Ben Kingsley's only there for a weekend to mm -hmm. ask him to do this job, but the psychological warfare that he yeah. puts on them <laughs> is so intense that it really like comes to a boiling point that is, it's shocking, but deserved. Like the mm. violence pays off correctly. Like mm. it does not feel gratuitous. It feels absolutely the right end to the point of this whole mm. weekend. Yeah. And, and the then violence... there's more to watch after that. Yeah. And the violence can be really sudden. Like Ben Kingsley's like, okay, yeah, no, go take the night, think it over. And then like in the middle of the night, just runs in and stomps on his face while he's sleeping. And then he's like, walks off like, okay. No, I just really had to get that out, though. You're going to do it. <laughs> Which is so great because it really shows, like, when the movie opens, all these characters are kind of scared of the mm -hmm. Ben Kings. Like, they are scared that he's coming into town. They're on edge immediately. Everybody knows what his deal is, and they're not into it. And when he gets there, he absolutely perfectly demonstrates why he's so scary, which is because he's very unpredictable because he's a like psycho like he's, yeah. he's just out of control in a way that is very terrifying it reminds me a lot of the joe pesci character from goodfellas oh okay. yeah where you just everything's don't know fun what's coming until yep. it's not yeah mm -hmm. 
because yeah. they're drinking, they're talking shit, they're, you know, but everybody's still on guard a little bit because they don't know what this guy's going to do. Oh, yeah. this movie is wild. Yeah, it's, it's really, I'm glad I rewatched it. I remember enjoying it. And yeah. it's just, yeah, it's it's the debut of Jonathan Glazer, who's only made a couple movies yeah. in 20 years. But the most recent one was Under, Under the, the skin, skin, which was really critically acclaimed and I'm afraid I have not seen. But yeah, Sexy Beast is, I love we have two heist movies back to back right here. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sexy Beast, the one that where you might have to turn on subtitles because everyone's Cockney accent is real fucking thick. A hundred percent. I had and to do that. Is practically a filmed play is definitely the one I'd recommend over the one with a bunch of stars in it that we're going to talk about next. It's it's so it's so fucking crazy to think about because I remember being budding classic film nerd was so excited for somewhat Angela Bassett, somewhat Ed Norton. There but, she is again, though. Hey. Know. Know. Let's see if she makes it in again. Is she in Harry Potter somewhere? Um, uh, she should be. Damn. <laughs> yeah. And, Everyone uh, else is. But the the. On screen reunion of Marlon Brando and uh, Robert De Niro, who wait, wait, were they even on screen together? Uh, no, but no, they both they played the, the same, same, character. same character. They played the same person. That we, would be a different movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We got the Vito Corleones finally together. Yeah. It had never happened before. I was so excited. And I get this movie that is just kind of like kind of boring. Um, <laughs> the, the, ladies and gentlemen, the score. The score. After this, no more jobs. This is the last one I'm doing. Then quit. Quit now. He bypassed the surveillance. I run this operation down to the smallest detail. The boss. He evaded detection. We gotta go now, but we don't go at all. Now, the only threat that remains is the one he never expected. Hold it right there. Robert De Niro, Edward Norton. This is over now, and you've got to deal with it. It's not over yet. The score. Rated R. It's weird. They don't even like let Marlon Brando speak in that TV spot. <laughs> um, nope. And this is his final role. Yeah, and he died like a couple years later. He just didn't really yeah, feel like working. He didn't wanna. I well, it sounds like no one had a very good experience on this because yeah, yeah Brando is legendarily uh, a pill to work with. He's got his own way of doing things, and this is directed by Frank Oz. Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy Yoda. Movie was, was last movie was Bowfinger though. Yeah, like he's never really done like a serious actiony heist drama movie before apparently marlon brando their their working styles did not get along he would call frank oz miss piggy uh. which i mean if i were frank oz i would totally lean into and just like oh you want to be directed by miss piggy man if you and i if got you, no shame yet have you go ever sit there on your mark will you please have you ever, I mean, if you hear him talk like he just does sound like fozzy uh, yeah, but for Marlon Brando to be calling anyone Miss Piggy at this point, oh, shame. I believe that's the thing I remember from it. He refused. He's like, don't shoot my gut. I've gotten too fat. And, he, and he's like, <laughs> and uh, and sometimes he was like, so he stopped wearing Ball pants. He stopped wearing pants on the set so he wouldn't be shot. His waist wouldn't be shot. <laughs> yep. Just that's, total asshole move. <laughs> that's that's but, a way damn. to do it. Kind of baller. Yeah. That is yeah. kind of baller, like yeah. literally yeah. balls out. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> so, yeah, like the ad said, Robert De Niro is a safe cracker and he gets drawn in for one last score with Marlon Brando and Edward Norton. Edward Norton's like the inside man and they're going to steal this big fancy gold thing. And there's lots of like neat technical stuff of like how they're getting around the cameras and how they're going to open up the safe and what kind of safe it is and all that. But overall, I found it kind of boring it's not a trigger warning but edward norton's thing is the inside man in in this like fancy museum is that he acts like he has special needs which um was making me feel uncomfortable uh, even know, though we know you're good at this an actor as a character playing another character i was still mm-hmm. like uh, 
I'm not crazy about this. This feels very similar to Primal Fear. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, I've seen you do kind of like those. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was just like, oh, it's fine. I was kind of bored. And how shall I put this, though? Um, the score of The Score by Howard Shore <laughs> was was uh, a bore. Hey! <laughs> tied it all together. Oh, my God. And I'm not just saying Damn. that because it is really fun to say. Uh, I was sitting there going, like, there was, like, four seconds of music in this and they're just repeating it over and over and normally i love howard shore but his score for the score i abhor suck a dick gene shallot we have your replacement right here (laughs) oh so good (laughs) yeah i i and i remember watching the score like i feel like you tricked me like the real heist was getting me in the theater to see these (laughs) actors do something grand together damn this uh, whole review is full of shade. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's not not a terrible movie. It's just like it's like such a fucking dad movie with with very little payoff. And yeah, it was like I kept thinking of movies I would rather be watching. Like, <laughs> not a good sign. Uh, yeah. Not a good sign. Like, really, if I want to watch a heist movie with from this era with Robert De Niro, it's going to be Ronan every time. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, uh, I am with you on that. Does Jackie Brown count as a heist movie? He doesn't get out very well. Uh, yeah, I guess it does. Uh huh. Sort of. It's not De Niro's character, I mean. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, is it a heist movie overall? Yeah, I think it is. Kinda. I think it is. Yeah, I and... suppose so. We have uh, a much better movie about getting into a really fancy bank vault later um, this year. Okay. Ooh. I'm yeah. trying to think about that. Might it's going to take a lot of guys, like at least 10. I know. I know. Mm. Upwards <laughs> of 10. I got it. Man, I thought that was in the 60s. All right. And then lastly, the number one movie at the box office this week, uh, Victor Garber, Matthew Davis, Selma Blair, Luke Wilson, and Reese with her spoon, Legally Blonde. At Harvard Law School. We got a PhD from Berkeley. The best. First in the class from Princeton. And the brightest will meet. Me! The blondest. I'm going to Harvard. Let's all go! This summer. You got into Harvard Law? What, like it's hard? The old school. Totally looked the part. Is getting a makeover. Do you have a resume? It's pink. And it's Senate. I think it gives it a little something extra. Reese Witherspoon is. Elle Woods, attorney. Legally Blonde, rated PG-13. Now playing at theaters everywhere. Oh, I, I know my reluctance to see this movie now. I remember. Mm-hmm. I was working at Suncoast in the mall. Uh. And there was a loop of trailers. So I heard it. Nothing standing in my. I heard that song. uh, And I know I like. It's not great. I turned it on to. It's the also the opening song of the film, and, I, and every time mm-hmm. I'm like, "Uh, uh-uh, not this fucking movie." But I don't know anything about it. I've just been annoyed by this song, huh? Legally Blonde. Mm. I did my my first watch was uh, this week, so that sure. uh, all, all I'll say about it. I thought Reese Witherspoon had abandoned me during this stage of her career because I was that dude who liked. Uh, oh, what's that Red Riding Hood movie? Um, uh, oh, Freeway. Freeway. Uh, yeah. Free. Love Freeway. Love Election. Um, some other Reese Witherspoon movie. Love Pleasantville. Cruel Intentions. Loved all those. And then, yeah. like, she started getting really popular and, like, making stuff that, like, yeah, all right, that's not my taste. Bye, Reese. And then I, I skipped this movie altogether. And then I watched it this week and, like, well, I was fucking wrong. This is a really great comedically. <laughs> uh, yeah. The type I don't, because my, my girlfriend's like, that's the one we should watch on your stupid work list. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, uh, and, uh, and I'm just ready to hate it. And it opens up with this super privileged blonde dits and but then like it's slowly revealed like 
she's not an idiot. She is qualified to get into Harvard and, yeah. and then just becomes this like tenacious character with this great attitude uh, that constantly says legitimately funny things. And I just, I never got no. that from the marketing. I thought it was like a okay. Romy Michelle kind of thing. Uh, who, I love, okay. who I also love. <laughs> Let me just say, look how tiny my mouth is of how mad I am at you. What? I, I, we wreck, it's, it's, <laughs> I'm doing the Leslie Note mouth. I rectified it. Yes, I know. But you, 2001 dumb, dumb, Chris, yeah, you like dumb, all those Reese Witherspoon things because they're subversive. This yeah. movie is incredibly subversive. Yeah, more than I was this expecting. This movie is, and if you would give it a chance, if you would have given it a chance, I'm glad you did now. Yeah. But I'm just saying that this movie is incredibly subversive it it just says so much more than it even needed to honestly right. it mm-hmm. goes above and beyond because the, the last thing i want to say about it and i just want to turn it over to you every character treats her the way i thought the movie was going to be and mm. and her superpower becomes perseverance and like ah fuck mm-hmm. you i'll leave the class mm-hmm. now but when i come back uh yeah watch out <laughs> yeah I'd- well it's it's interesting that you're talking about her previous roles because this is really her first starring role i mean Other than she's freeway yeah yeah well freeway is a tiny <laughs> indie a you tiny know it, did you see it in theaters of course you didn't no, no one did no um and i totally recommend freeway i love that movie but you know, she's she's definitely a known quantity, but she's like the second or third yeah. lead in these ensemble movies. Mm-hmm. And this is like Reese Witherspoon is a movie star. She can open a movie based yeah. on her name and her picture. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a big thing. And to do it with this movie, which is, yeah, it looks I, I avoided it for the same reason as you, Chris. I just I thought ah. it was going to be about, you know, a, a ditzy uh-huh. girl. Almost like a hot ditzy forest gump. She would just like accidentally <laughs> accidentally oh. work her way into like winning. Uh. Well and and I like I have some problems with it, but I totally appreciate and <laughs> sorry. Yeah, that I, I totally appreciate that yeah, in, in the end, like what I thought was going to piss me off as a grumpy feminist, I is all the things that I love as, as a grumpy feminist. Mm-hmm. Yes. But the point is girly doesn't equal stupid. Right. Mm-hmm. That's uh-huh. the entire message of the movie. Girly doesn't uh-huh. equal stupid. Live your truth. Have you know your heart shaped notebook and your pink kitten heels and whatever you want to do. That doesn't make someone stupid. In fact, they might be smart in a way that is helpful. You know, she has a perspective that none of the like guy lawyers do, and she ends up winning because of it over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It, it's not only too that girly doesn't equal stupid, but that the girliness in itself is something to be valued. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it, it's, it's much deeper than, you know, you think just because that's girliness is not something that's valued in society beyond uh, being an object for a man. Yeah. And which, it, which this, is weird that the engine of the movie, like the it, the movie starts out where, where she's with this fancy rich guy boyfriend and it starts because he hasn't heard the term trophy wife. He's like, you're you're just pretty. You're not a serious you're person, a so serious I can't person. marry you. Mm-hmm. Which is like, uh, honey, what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> as long as she's not like murdering kittens, she can be a pretty good trophy wife for you. And she's like, fuck you. I am fucking serious. I'm going to win you back, which always hurts when I see that in a movie. I was just like, he's shown you his true colors, girl. Run. But I understand that's the point of that's how we get a plot. And so she works really hard and she gets into Harvard Law School. I'll <laughs> just show him up. Yeah. Okay. 
But I love but, the, I love the idea in the movie that it, she she was inadvertently pretty qualified to apply for Harvard Law School anyway. She doesn't even have to work that hard. I mean, yeah. like it's hard. Like I mean, she's show her. She she built a great package to, get, to uh, study to get into Harvard, but she doesn't have to like use any of the yeah. It's not a trick. Girly traits. Yeah, yeah it's not a trick that like I think a lot of people would have thought. I love uh, yeah. I, I think I would have of, looking at the movie. I, like she must have pictures of the dean or something like that. But like no, this is this is a smart. Yeah. A smarter no, character than the marketing led me to believe. I yeah, just, she never calls daddy to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Why? I, I I like the idea of this movie as a gateway movie for both types of Reese Witherspoon fans. Uh-huh. People <laughs> who love her from Sweet Home Alabama Ugh. can work their way backwards in her catalog to Legally Blonde, which they love her in, and then go backwards into like Election and Cruel Tensions and Freeway. And then y'all can work your way forwards through Lily Blonde into the other stuff. So Whatever HBO I like it shows a gateway movie that, you know, yep. marries y'all two together. <laughs> I'm everything, of course. But... I'm not watching Walk the Line again. I won't. This... Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, Jennifer Coolidge. Y'all. Yes. Mm-hmm. Y'all. y'all. She's so good in this. And also, too, I love the the way that they show Reese Witherspoon's character as being not only a person who is smarter than you think she's going to be, but also kinder than you think she's going to be. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. really like yeah. the way those types of women are usually portrayed in pop culture. They are dumb and mean. Heathers. And mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's not been my experience generally with women, honestly. And so I love seeing like a kind person Ooh, who, you, might be the mean you know, one. works hard, is smart and also loves her girly stuff. Mm. It's just yeah. such a wonderful movie. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was. It was it's much overall very positive. It was way more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. Totally, uh-huh. and uh-huh. and mm-hmm. and funnier. And like, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure any other who else could have pulled off that kind of character. Just because it was a, I don't know, it was a funnier character than I expected it to be. Quippier, good, good writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the joke is rarely at her expense, which I, well, I don't know. I just assumed there'd be a lot of like setting things on fire and shit in her hair. Um, <laughs> just like Elle Woods, you underestimated her. I did. You, I did. Being this movie. I did. Um, yep. And, and it has at least one more movie, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and a, a Broadway musical. Oh, neat. Say, yeah. Oh God. It probably has that song which, in it. Oh but, yeah. I did not care for that song. <laughs> I could see adapting this to a musical though. Overall though, this movie is fantastic. It's way better and way funnier than you think it's going to be. There are so many small moments in there that you just, I love to revisit because it's kind of like an Easter egg. Every time I watch it again, I find something like really tiny and cute, a little detail that I loved that I didn't see before. And it's a wonderful time capsule for 2001. The Mm. fashions, the technology, all of that stuff. I really like to see and revisit again. Oh yeah. That orange MacBook, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yuck. Mm. Yeah, Ple- pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I mean, it is extremely surprised. light and frothy, but mm-hmm. well, that could be hard not, to pull off. It's not as light and frothy as. Yeah. I mean, there are deeper well, themes there. Yeah, light and frothy, but not frivolous. Perfect. Thank exactly. You. Yes, and also to a fantastic supporting cast. I mean, we already named some people, but also Linda Cardellini and Ali Larder mm-hmm. are fantastic in this movie. Yeah. Just. And also her girlfriends, and I'm sorry, I cannot remember their names, but her girlfriends who are like supporting her in law school who are <laughs> a little bit not as smart as she is, but are yeah. so sweet and like supportive. I'm into that as well. <laughs> yeah. I just say when the movie starts and it's like a long pan through her sorority house and like everyone is blonde and everyone is the same, 
I was like sweating. I was like, oh no. It's gonna oh, be okay. Oh no. It's gonna oh, be okay. okay. Oh god, they're all exercising together. Oh god. And then it's like, nope, that's not the point. The and point is you should not dismiss all this just hello. because it's not your kind of woman. That's okay. It's a recent Selma reunion. Yeah. And I love Selma Blair's kind of character turn towards the end, you know? She kind of mm-hmm. gets turned around a little bit. The only thing that I don't love about this movie that and I think this is just a personal preference is I do not like the invoking of Playboy bunny imagery just because I'm mm. I don't the Playboy legacy I find to be mm, no, my, not something that I enjoy. So I mean, I my don't. my flip side is is invoking Cosmo as the Bible. Ooh, word. I also I'm I, I will too. take Playboy over Cosmo pretty much any day. Um, Ooh, yeah, and just sort of the I mean, yeah, if you want to get into nitpicks, the the sexism that both Reese Witherspoon and Selma Blair face that they don't really do a lot about. I mean, Reese Witherspoon, she finally, Elwood walks out, you know, when her professor actually hits on her. But mm-hmm. her plan is to walk out and quit as opposed to walk out and get that motherfucker fired. Right. Yeah. I mean, there no. is. Yeah. It's a, it's a certain kind of mm, feminism that is a little bit. That is the, where I feel like it's pretty shallow. Like, yeah. But, you know, can't be perfect. Yeah. What are you going to do? It's 20 years old. Yes. We're getting there. We're getting there. It's a good artifact. Yeah. And if we'll the movies artifact. weren't enough for you. <laughs> good. My God. Lord. Yeah. I think I, I, I remember like this is like the sun's coming up and I'm passing out with the television this week. Um, 2001. Um, I don't know the exact date, but 30 years ago. July 9th, 2001. Ju- over July in the UK. 9th. In the UK, uh, a little show called The Office. <laughs> the Office debuts. No, no, not that one. This is the theme song. I love this so much. I don't know why. Much better theme song, I will say. It's very uh, melancholy and it gray, is. just like Slough. It's it's just like Slough. Just like just like thinking of yourself walking into this this building. Are they paper salesmen in this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love. I immediately fell in love with the British Office so much so that I stayed away from the American Office after watching the pilot for two or three seasons. The first season's real short, but yeah, until season three because of how indelible I thought this was. I had uh, not only becoming like a big comedy fan, but I had the weird experience of working in an office as a teenager. And like experiencing office politics, I when I graduated college, I ran to California because like I won't ever go have an office again and die in an office. Whereas like I didn't know sixteen was the last time I'd ever have my own office. I (laughs) I didn't. I I always assumed I'd get another one again, and never did. But uh, that's not really California's thing. But uh, yeah, the office is was like at the forefront of, for lack of a better term, like cringe humor or like a really really uncomfortable. jokes uh coming mm-hmm. out of interpersonal relationships and and the the creator of that television documentary style that is mm-hmm. is it still on television i'm trying to think if there's another oh. one of those documentary shows mm-hmm. left mm-hmm. i think modern family's gone um yeah i don't know if that exists anymore on any other mm. program but uh brilliant and but but definitely what i really like about it it and is what I hated. It, what made me hate the first episode of uh, the American Office, I believe, the Office colon American Workplace. Uh, you know, I found out there are like over a dozen international adaptations of the Office. Oh, in the, oh I, I went and found out how many 
episodes of The Office are there total in the world? Whoa. Because the British one, there are 14. There are 12 and two specials. 12 and two Christmas specials. Mm-hmm. But uh, there are six in French. Lofis did not take off as well. Seven in Brazilian Portuguese. 12 in Quebecois French. 12 in Chilean Spanish. 18 in Swedish. 28 in Hindi. 30 in Hebrew. And 46 in German. So a lot of those you see, they only went a couple seasons. And then 215 total in English. 14 in the Queen's. 201 in American. 374 total episodes of The Office exist in the world. Wow. Yeah, and just... But I, I, as love or hate Ricky Gervais and or Stephen Merchant, man, did they really hit on something universal with mm-hmm. yeah. something as seemingly mundane as The Office? Um, I don't even know how to describe it at this point. A workplace well, comedy? So. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think so much of it is that David Brent is a kind of person that we've all run into, mm-hmm. but is never depicted. Someone oh, no. who thinks he's smart, thinks he's the life of the party, thinks he's everyone's best friend. And you actually all talk shit about him behind his back and can't stand it. I thought you were going to say a person we might have been every once in a while. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I've had my moments of like, I don't believe that. (laughs) No, there. Yeah. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. What am I doing? Oh, my God. But the first episode of the American office turned me off so much because like I I was on board mostly because I love Steve Carell already. And uh, he in the first episode of the American office is very much. The British office. It like, yes. like oh. lines are taken directly from yes. the British office. And I, I didn't realize it. Like they had to soften Michael Scott because if he would in at first six episodes of the American office, he is too David Brent and you cannot have that character be likable for as long as Michael Scott <laughs> ended up becoming. Cause David yeah. Brent is not likable. There's like a couple of moments where you feel sad for him, but he's always yeah. so obnoxious you cannot root for him, nor nor several other people in the in that in the office, really. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I think that's the thing is that uh, I mean, in Americanizing it, they totally Americanized it, yes. and that like every everyone's a little bit better of a person. Everyone got a little bit of a firmware upgrade. You know, we compare yeah. Jim and Tim. It's like Tim's a really good guy. You know, Martin Freeman's character. He's a he's a great guy, and he's this is like Martin Freeman's big introduction to everybody. And it's Martin Freeman's introduction to the world, but he's a much nicer character than Jim. Yeah, he's he's a nicer, but he is so timid and so spineless in his own life in so many ways. Mm -hmm. He's thirty. He lives with his parents. He doesn't want this job, but he he can never pull the trigger on making anything better in his life. But he but he at least he has Hat FM. That Hat FM joke (laughs) is still one of my favorite jokes in the office. And, and the Christmas special has some of my favorite moments. And I think that's because the character of Tim, I do consider super strong. And I think we all kind of fell in love with Martin Freeman after that. Yeah. And and I love seeing him in everything. Whereas uh, the American office, I, I still am shocked. Like they resolved what the office did in its last shot in like the third season, <laughs> in the <laughs> fourth season. Will Pam and Jim get together like that? Don and Tim don't touch until like the last moment of the very last episode of The Office. And also, I love The Office so much, have loved it for a while. And even before, I was pretty annoyed by Ricky Gervais. Have you ever seen any of the David Brent stuff where they, they're outside The Office? Like, uh-uh. he has a movie, no. David Brent. It's, it's unbearable. Uh-huh. Without those characters inside the workplace to soften him or call him on his shit, it is, it, it's not only excruciating... When he's not everybody's boss, everyone is really mean to him. <laughs> so, um, and it's, yeah. it, it hurts so much more. Than, and there, there's a part of the, the English office that hurts way more than the American office. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I can't say I prefer it because I don't 
God, I just don't beg to be hurt with my, by the things that I love anymore. But uh, I mean, ultimately, yeah, that's kind of why I prefer the American Office. Yeah, it's it, it's it doesn't even seem like the same thing anymore. Uh, but it, mm. I do think it's it's worth a watch because it is you know that immaculate British television, a good series that did not overstay its welcome. It's over, and the 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 two specials are basically one mo- two part movie. It's really good. It's it's one of my favorite finales of any kind. I really do like its yeah. finale. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the UK Office uh, debuts, and I don't know where you would have watched you would have watched that. It, it ended up making a lot of critics' best TV of the year or best DVDs of the year because we didn't really even have a distribution mechanism to watch The Office. I, yeah. I I'm sure it if... hit the BBC, but it like it used to air on Adult Swim. Yeah, and... <laughs> eventually we got Adult Swim like eight years later, mm-hmm. which was odd. I'm trying to remember where I got. I think I just ended up buying a. I, they were just like DVD the, they were super inexpensive. Amazon.co.uk just because I kept hearing about it. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, there's like a lot of good comedy coming out of Britain in this period that it was taking a while to get to America. And I, some of it I didn't think would ever come to America, and a whole bunch of it did, like Ali G. Yeah. Yeah. So they... I have I have a bunch of European region DVDs from this period because I never thought they would come here. And uh, yeah, I, I wish I honestly would love to talk more about the office, the British office at some point, because it, it has been a long time since I revisited it. It is also, if I haven't brought this up a billion times, it is synonymous when we all kind of moved out and got our own places and didn't have cable and we'd watch the same DVDs over again. You could go to like three of my friends' house and there was a 40% chance an episode of The Office would be on and we'd all be happy about that. Yeah. And, it was uh, either that or the. Um... Compilations of music videos by Michelle Gondry. Yeah, I sent Those you. Those are the two ones the that day. were basically Ooh. in everyone. Kevin house. and I were watching that the other day. I sent you, I think, a thing of that. Whoever was directing uh, Ninety Nine Problems, I forgot. Um, and then I don't even know what this is. Died. Um, I actually put this in here. I found oh. this when I was doing my research, and I don't know anything about this, but I pulled it out because I feel like it's something that maybe one of our listeners would have been clued into. So it's Cinema Insomnia. It is a syndicated television series, uh, basically a horror sci-fi show like Joe Bob Briggs, where they okay. you show like an old movie. Yeah. You know, a genre movie, El and then you have style. someone. Yeah, you have someone like introducing it, and then he does interstitials. So it's not like MST3K where he talks over it, but there are like there's an introduction, there are interstitials, and I mean, it went on for. It's been going on for a pretty long time. There are 106 episodes. It's bounced all over the place as far as being online. There's a YouTube channel that I pulled the one of the introductions from because it kind of, I think the introduction's really cool. And I don't know if this was one of the original introductions because I was just learning about this, but I like the introduction from what he has now on YouTube. Time now to enter Mr. Lobo's domain. Look out! Open your mind to the possibility that they're not bad movies, just misunderstood. Very clearly Prince of Space. Um, in oh, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's, it seems like a cool idea. Yeah. Mr. Lobo is the dude who introduces everything, and he's he's the guy that puts all of this together. And I wanted to just throw it out there. It seems like a very cult thing that hopefully one of our listeners could tell us more about. When When... Laser time guest and I, Kevin, get really drunk and alone. We always threaten to like run into our 
local television stations kick the door in and demand a late night horror movie. Uh, we should <laughs> just give it to us. We have more followers than your weatherman on Twitter. Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> Are you talking about Casanova Nurse? Um, no. <laughs> Is that our Our local weatherman Casanova because nurse. I love him. And I definitely don't have more followers than anyone named Casanova Nurse. He truly has the best name ever. Yeah. What the f- Fuck. Yeah. Yes, our weatherman is named Casanova Nurse, and he's a yeah. very sweet man. Named after my, uh, never mind. Um, <laughs> not, that sounds like a, a Japanese dating sim. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's most one of the big requirements for being an on-air local news personality. You got to have a stupid name. Yep. Pert or a cool name. Casanova yeah. Nurse, come on. That True. is a very cool name. Don't yeah. even. My name is Ichabod Shame. Uh, hi- Ooh, hire love me. it. Hire me. <laughs> Uh, That's your burlesque <laughs> name. <laughs> uh, 2001 books. Uh, wow, I can't believe this is being brought up here. Full Metal Alchemist begins as, yes. a, as a book. Is it still going on? No. Okay, so I put this in here because, again, I know this is something that I'm sure our listeners know more, way more about than I do, but mm. I feel like it's a real touchstone for a lot of people. The original run went from July 12, 2001 to June 11, 2010, and there were 27 volumes. Really all I can tell you about people, I'm going to leave the rest to our, I know people who know more about it than I do, which is our listeners. But I did want to throw it in because I know it's a big deal for a lot of It's one of those, the anime, not the manga, is one of those things that gets recommended to me by people who Mm -hmm. would never recommend me anime. Yeah, Uh, that's hmm. same here. Like I... That is the number one thing after Cowboy Bebop that I hear that people sh- tell me to watch. And uh, 2001 video games. <laughs> this is fun because, like it or not, there is a Terminator 2 situation where everyone is getting out of the way of a big giant release that you can't. Mm. And it just, it's indicative of a much older time because these. Okay. Uh, one of the best selling games of all time debuts, and that would be Gran Turismo 3 A Spec. And that's just Gran Turismo 3. Don't want to confuse uh, my co-hosts here because I don't expect you to be interested in this. But there was a time the entire world was really interested in a boring by the book car sim. It was a really good showcase of graphics. And I, or they'd do a replay after you were done with your lap. And it like it just looked like a movie on a screen that you created because uh, it had all these different camera angles. Um, it was really neat. And it yeah. Gran Turismo became one of the best-selling video games of all time the first three uh for playstation one and this is for playstation two it also comes uh playstation two it comes with a playstation two pack-in so i remember i wanted it so bad and um we could finally get ps2s and i somehow like talked my girlfriend into buying it for me and paying her back uh, a 300 dollars ps2 while i'm working at a chinese restaurant uh slinging slinging de- delivery food uh i played the shit out of this and it's I have some of this with modern mobile games, but you guys ever play something for so long and then you look back at it and I'm like, what the fuck was I doing? <laughs> driving driving a car I could probably afford in a circle <laughs> for hundreds of hours. Why did I do that? Uh, it, it's just so weird. There's, there's no power-ups. There's no turtle shells. It is just a... I know in, in England where like having a car is like kind of semi-unobtainable, like it's not a big car culture. So yeah, it makes sense for them to like love, oh, I can experience all these overseas cars, blah, 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 not have to worry about petrol taxes and all that stuff. <laughs> but um, it is baffling that the whole world was interested in a really clinical racing sim for a very long time. And there's yeah. since been seven more games and like we constantly joke about it on shows like Video Game Apocalypse. Like, why were we so into that? My God. Can I can I say a, a serious answer yeah, that may yeah, not be very it. fun? 
I think a lot of people use games like that that are kind of repetitive, not super exciting, maybe a little bit boring to disassociate, which is a way of dealing with other feelings, trauma, anxiety, depression. It's a nice mm. way to kind of self-soothe. This is yeah. the podcast world did not want to hear those words about their video Sorry. games at all. That's, that's, <laughs> And, and I, yeah, like, I especially I have the didn't. same kind of game. Like, there's like, games that I play on my phone that are kind of like grinding type games. Or I have just, more like, games. I have more games in common with Sarah than I do with her husband. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. And yeah, I mean, that's I talked to my therapist about that. It's just a way to disassociate to let your brain kind of take a break from you know whatever's yes. roiling in there. Yes, it's a way to where I can be alive. Sorry, that's a bummer. To be alive and not think is like so wonderful to me. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> it's self-soothing. It's a little meditative oh. sometimes. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was hard to admit that on air, but here we are. Uh, yeah. Reward me with your patronage. Patreon.com <laughs> slash laser time. I'll grill Michael and Matt about their experience with that because we all did it. We were all in, so involved in this. And it, yeah, technically has hundreds of hours of gameplay. Ooh, my car didn't make that hairpin turn well. I'll go and I'll tune it for two hours. Oh, why do we do that? Oh, Oh, I gotta. You know what? I gotta put a limited slip differential on that. Oh, I gotta earn some extra points. So awful. Oh, it's just like real life. Um. Anyway, <laughs> let's close out two thousand one. With wherever you go, uh, wherever you will go by the calling. What's that? From? I kind of still love this song. I, this, this is when I was like, I don't know the name of this song. I don't know this band. Click on it. Oh, that's right. You know, I know all the words to this. Yeah, you know this song a hundred percent. This is also one of those songs that I was so sick of when it was on the radio and now if it pops up like once a year or whatever like in my itunes shuffle i kind of love it <laughs> yep all right well take us out the calling and when hey when we get back gotta talk some serious potter stay right there Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash lasertime. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. Yeah. Olestra. We were just having that conversation because my girl is a little younger. She's like, you ever hear about Olestra and anal leak? She's like, yes. But it's not exactly. Yeah, we lived through the nineties. Yeah, it's not exactly yeah. what you think, because like whatever sugar and fat substitute is in everything else does the exact same thing. Just like mm. Michael said, people weren't conditioned to like. No, this didn't mean to go hog wild in your stupid oboises or whatever. Yeah. Let me pop open a Crystal Pepsi and tell you about the nineties. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's sort of like you know prunes are unpopular because everybody thinks like, oh, you bite into a prune, you'll get instant explosive <laughs> diarrhea. I wish okay. that was the case. No, it's just, it's just fiber, man. I it's, wish yeah. that was the case. That, to me, is still a good bowel movement, instant diarrhea. Yeah. It's whatever gets it out for the day. Uh, but yeah, sure. whatever else, because remember, like, a couple years ago, like, man, have you guys seen what happens if you eat a, a pound of these fat-free gummy bears? You totally shit yourself. I'm like, yes. Yes. You, you just eat a pound of gummy Yeah, it's yeah. like, yes, that's, this will absolutely happen if you eat a pound of mostly anything. Yeah, I don't want to wish that on anyone, but... You deserve eat a, it. Eat a, eat a pound of a crab. Watch what happens to your asshole. It'll be astonishing. We'll all back up and line up around you like it's fireworks. It'll be great. Yeah, the crab will just become reconstituted <laughs> and, and your your ass, and then just we'll, we'll snip at you. 
Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. All the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of July 9th through 15th, 40 years ago this week, 1981 just keeps giving. It turns out this was a great movie year. Who freaking knew? How do I know? Well, July 10th, 1981, we saw the release of, I think, my favorite John Carpenter movie, Escape from New York. I know I'm supposed to say Halloween or The Thing because those are horror masterpieces, but... It's either Escape from New York or maybe Big Trouble in Little China for me, honestly. I love Escape from New York because it's got Kurt Russell going into post-apocalyptic, massive prison New York City to, you know, go rescue the president. And there's kind of uh, political intrigue and betrayals and uh, an awful lot of very colorful characters. Yeah, I mean, you got... Ernest Borgnine and Donald Pleasance, the president, Isaac Hayes, Adrian Barbo, Harry Dean Stanton. So it's just like a who's who of just fun character actors doing fun character actor stuff. And I mean, so many, I feel like a lot of post-apocalyptic movies actually rip this off even more than like Road Warrior. But I, yeah, I love Escape from New York. So happy 40th anniversary Escape from New York. And then the exact same day, July 10th, over in the UK saw the release of Time Bandits, uh, a lot of people's first favorite Terry Gilliam movie outside of Monty Python stuff. And it is extremely Terry Gilliam-ish. It's like the most Terry Gilliam you're going to get, maybe even more than Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Produced by George Harrison because George Harrison just liked artsy stuff. He just liked the Pythons. And so Terry Gilliam and Michael Palin co-wrote starring yeah, most of the Pythons, plus you know Ian Holmes in there and Catherine Hellman and David Warner bunch of cameos from other people uh about this you know group of little time travelers and a kid and they go skipping around time and going on adventures i don't know there are parts of it i find a little slow where i kind of don't care so much about what's going on but besides the pacing problems i think it's a lot of fun it's a weird movie it is distinctly a terry gilliam movie he is a guy who has a very very specific visual style like you can spot his movies from a mile away because they look a lot like time bandits so if you haven't ever gotten into Terry Gilliam, this is definitely a place to start, I would say. Time Bandits, if you haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a really long time, I would recommend it. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming in with Pitbull featuring Neo, Afrojack, and Mr. Neo, Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide, uh, the cap, the Prince of Florida, uh, Pitbull, employee of the state of Florida. It's true, it's true. Uh, ambassador, Paid by the state of Florida. Uh, give me everything, and I, I always like to listen to four seconds before we record. Like, have I heard this? I'm like, yes, I've heard this. It's. It, I wish if I, I wish I could have been ten in 2011 when we're where we're at right now because this would be the skating rink song of the year this, <laughs> the, right like this that's what this reminds me of yes it'd be the perfect skating rink song 
Not a dancer, if you can't tell. Uh, but yeah, uh, Pitbull Baby. Welcome to 2011, July 9th to the 15th. We got some other new releases to tell you about, such as Hell is What You Make It by uh, Breathe Carolina. Am I saying that right? If not now, when? By Incubus. Gush, Sarah, gush. Uh, the Black Crown by Suicide yeah. Silence. Uh, that's my band. I like edgy stuff. Suicides. Uh, the truth is, by theory of a dead man and time of my life, by three doors down. Man, you hear that guy's new patriotic song? Oh man, they played at the, the previous president's inauguration. Love my three doors down. You know their name that because their weed dealer lived three doors down. These guys are so cool. I would say in 2011, it was not the time of their life. <laughs> you're in three doors down. Oh. However, if not now, when by Incubus is perfect for 2011 because it's true. Yeah. You know, Incubus, mm. if not now, when? Mm. For 2011. I, yeah, I have, I have. We'll never hear from yeah, you again. Why? I, I'll tell tell the story later. It's not a story, but a sentence. But like, yeah, th- this week's episode helped me remember a time in my life through the new releases uh, that I really, really liked. I was having a great time this year. Yeah. Uh, I really was. Um, unlike the previous year. <laughs> but moving <laughs> into the news of 2011, 10 years ago, when everything was golden. South Sudan gains independence from Sudan. <laughs> oh, Yay! Geez. Well, there was fighting. Now there's going to be less fighting. Yeah. Yay! Yeah. It's, Neptune completes its first orbit around the sun since its discovery in 1846. Wow, yeah. slowpoke. <laughs> yeah, Neptune is a major slowpoke. Get it together. <laughs> and, uh, British tabloid News of the World publish- publishes its last edition after 168 almost nice years uh, in the wake of a phone hacking scandal. And I love Pierce Morgan isn't around to bother us every day. We don't have to bring him up because he was, he's mm-hmm. totally part of that. And I, I was surprised he's he got to work for cool. so long after. Yeah, this is a huge scandal that didn't affect him at all. Yeah. But he was like, oh, the, he was he like was, the editor. He's one of the, yeah. He's one of those guys that's like you if you you obviously knew what was going on. And if you didn't know, that's almost as bad as you knowing because right. that shows how fucking incompetent you are. And, and uh, knowing, yeah, knowing what we know about him, of, of course he knew. And of course he loved it. Yeah, so a whole bunch of people got in a whole bunch of trouble because of a couple different kinds of phone hacking mm-hmm. that was going on. I mean, Britain, they had a whole major inquiry, and this was news for years and years and years, but this is the culmination of a big part of it. And News of the World, that's a, you see that cited in like historical, like that's a newspaper that's been around for so goddamn long. And 168, I mean, we're talking pre-Civil War in the U.S., and... Uh, yeah, wow. a lot of it was uh, some people went to jail, including um, one of the royal journalists, Clive Goodman. No relation. I just wanted to point that out <laughs> uh, because they were like hacking into people's voicemail yep. for like some of the royals. Uh, the worst couple was a missing girl that, you know, they were hacking into her messages and possibly deleting things. Yep. So there'd be space so people could leave more messages. So that just gave her family thinking that, oh, well, she's deleting messages. She must be alive. And turned out, no. <sighs> No. no, she was not. She has been murdered. Pierce Morgan needed like that, that dirt. Mm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a couple, couple people went to jail. Rebecca Brooks, who was like second or third to uh, Murdoch's. Lachlan Murdoch was involved, one of uh, Rupert's sons. It just shows like as much as people complain about, oh, the fucking media in America, like our tabloids have nothing on the fucked up shit they get into mm-hmm. in the UK. <laughs> oh, my God. Just the, the level of partisanship, the level of meanness, and the dirty things that they will do to get a, a scoop that may or may not be true. Mm. Yeah. Don't fuck with people's cell phones. Leave Jude Law alone. 
leave Sienna Miller alone. Stop fucking with their phones. Yeah. Um, Just yeah. stalk them like everyone else. We have we have plenty of awful people in America right now doing awful things that refuse to apologize and will happily tell you about it. So, like, I don't understand. <sighs> Ten years ago, yeah. though, that's the difference. Yeah, the whole thing is... Oh God. I, yeah, I, I don't blame Meghan Markle for anything that she does, like for the rest of her life. The mm -hmm. the way mm -hmm. British media gets real personal on people is just fucked up, man. Anytime you think the Brits are classy, go pick up a copy of the sun. Or watch yeah. that uh, daily show clip with Stephen Colbert eating a banana. It's the best description <laughs> of the UK tabloids. <laughs> Moving to movies of 2011, um, July 9th to the 15th. Oh, this is going to be hard for me. The movie Lucky with Colin Hanks. No, I've never heard of this fucking movie. Oh. And Margaret, oh. and Margaret, Mimi Rogers, and Jeffrey Tambor. Um, I have not heard of this film. No one really heard of this film. It's a dark comedy that doesn't really do the comedy very well. Uh, the reviews were pretty brutal and didn't get much of a release. But the idea is that like Colin Hanks wins the lottery and this girl that was mean to him now like is interested in him. But surprise, he's actually a serial killer. Huh, that sounds like many twists and turns. Um, remember how we said, la I, I'm not trying to watch something to be depressed. Ooh, thank God for the next movie. Oh, yeah. We, oh, my God. Literal Prozac, man. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to. We have movie freaking Prozac. My only complaint <laughs> is it's like 70 minutes long, and yeah. I want it to go on for eight hours. It is literally 69 minute, minutes long. It is one of nice. the shortest movies since Saludos Amigos that Disney has ever made. And if I can come out and say this, in a safe space where people won't make fun of me because I find it deeply embarrassing for some reason. This is one of my favorite trailers of all time. <laughs> <laughs> it's got such a silly Keen song in it, um, and and uh, but it's some of my favorite characters with new, uh, mostly new voices. John Cleese, he's the narrator. Wyatt Dean Hall, Kristen Anderson Lopez, uh, Jack Bolter, Bud Lucky, um, I think he's Eeyore, Travis <laughs> Oates, Craig Ferguson is a good owl. Tom Kenny, Good Rabbit, and Jim Cummings, who we already knew we already knew could do this. It is Winnie the Pooh, ladies and gentlemen. This summer, Christopher Robin has been captured by the Baxon. <laughs> captured by the Baxon! Now they'll have to come up with a little plan. Send the pig. We cannot afford any mistakes. No bother. It's a brand new adventure. Only in theaters. With Disney's Winnie the Pooh. Can you tie a knot? I cannot knot. Not knot? Who's there? Pooh? Pooh who? Pooh! July 15th. <laughs> Bittersweet in the same way Final Fantasy Spirits Within a little bit was... I, oh, the, the trailer, the big trailer has that keen Somewhere Only We Go song <laughs> to all the Hundred Acre Wood characters. And if I've... I don't, I don't need to be closeted about this. I fucking love Winnie the Pooh. When I was a teenager, I became even more obsessed with Winnie the Pooh when I was getting high. Uh, I would get high before school and watch the the Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. I think the the many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, the movie, which this is technically the first Pooh movie. Wait, the Adventures of Winnie the Pooh is the one that's like, gotta get up, yep. gotta, gotta get, get going. Okay, gonna I watch that every on. morning because my sister's much younger than me. Yeah. So that was, I'm also very into Winnie the Pooh. It was so fun. I remember going into like junior year of high school trying to explain how Tigger pronounced anchovies anchokies and I couldn't stop laughing for nine and a half hours and I got suspended later that day I think because I was so annoying <laughs> so so high and annoying but it's it's technically the first Disney animated Winnie the Pooh movie 
because mm. the original Winnie the Pooh movie was not a movie. It was a collection of the three short that had shown in theaters before other Disney features. And then they put them ah. together, stitched them together, I think, in the early 70s. And so that Winnie the Pooh movie we know called, I think, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. It's three stories. The uh, one with the heffalumps. I'm a little black rain cloud. <laughs> Robin. Yeah, that that's those are shorts put together. This okay. there had been other Winnie the Pooh movies released in theaters and on v- video, but they were all done by Disney's video team. This is Walt Disney feature animation. Not only for the first time doing a, an intentional Winnie the Pooh movie, it is the last traditionally animated movie of any kind from Walt Disney animated features. Wow. So yeah. Princess and the Frog is where we're like, ah, they gave up. I'm like, no, it's here. This is the last one. And it and it's a bummer because they I think John Lasseter is spearheading this, you know, say what you will. But I thought this was as can't miss as possible. Like this is Winnie the Pooh, a merchandising jo- there are constantly lawsuits over the merchandise. Because Winnie the Pooh is such a beloved character. If you ever want to know how old Winnie the Pooh is, just add whatever year you're in to the year 1900. That's how old he is. So mm. it's it's a beloved children's story. There are other weird British adaptations of the book, but the Disney one is kind of stuck in everyone's head as the the one, the canon yeah. for Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, that's weird because I like I I watched Winnie the like Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day. I think so yeah. I mean, I I've seen Winnie the Pooh growing up, but it was never like a beloved thing for me. It was just sort of like, yeah, that's cute, whatever. So I watched this thinking I was going to be like, yeah, that's cute, whatever. And I was like, it charmed my freaking socks off. Yeah, it's wow. like this is so good. I, it's I mean, it's more for littler kids. But it's completely just watchable and soothing and fun as a grown-up. It's got a whole bunch of songs by Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez, who previously had only, they had worked on something for Disney Parks for Finding Nemo. Mm -hmm. And they did such a good job here. Like, do you want to do our Ice Princess movie next that we're going to do? And yeah, yeah, now now you know all the words to let it go forever. And they're freaking awesome. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Robert Lopez is the only person with a double E got. That's how hardcore he is. And he's not that old, but what? he also did, yeah, Avenue Q and Book of Mormon. Wow. And yeah, it's every good song. I don't know. Is this is Emmy for then. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. And this is, yeah, the songs are just, they're very light and charming. This is like spending a lovely summer day out in the countryside with all, you know, your cute little buddies. And they get yeah. into a silly adventure where they think Christopher Robin's been abducted by something called a Baxin. <laughs> Who, who, which by is the just way, him writing, is, is, writing a note saying he'll be back soon. And, and by the way, the Baxton is the last well, film appearance by none other than Hugh Hauser. He voices the Baxton. <laughs> yes. There's a mid-credit sequence in this movie you don't want to miss. Of California's gold? California gold. That one time I went down to Burbank and voiced a 100-acre wood character. My God. But, <laughs> I think I only know him from comedy Bang Bang like references it's, honestly i lived in california it aired every week on public television it was yep. hysterical you mean to tell me this tree is 300 years old yes wow let's talk about this for five more minutes and, that's a big deal and i believe my friend seth and lizzie's wedding was at his house uh in, in palm springs um but, uh, but yeah those are fun to look up but yeah the whole movie is you know they, they're trying to catch the Baxen, so they like have a pit. Then, of course, everyone gets stuck in the pit. Eeyore loses his tail. They need to give him a new tail. Like, that's the whole, 
the whole thing is the world's lowest stakes problems that you know because they're like little kids they just yes. screw up and, and and you probably don't hear about it as much because it's not covered on your favorite pop culture youtube channel because this has somehow been co-opted as a thing for preschoolers but the hundred acre wood characters are manifestations of christopher robin's imagination as a child and so they only know what he they only know what he knows so they mm -hmm. behave like pretty smart infants and what he thinks bears are like that yeah they they, eat, they only eat honey right no the bear would eat the shit out of piglet but you go ahead and think that the bear only eats honey christopher robin yeah that's yeah, why... a kangaroo is living in the british woods sure whatever <laughs> but that's also why the depiction of eeyore is such so a good. sweet idea and such a sweet depiction because it kind of is the embodiment of like sadness and sadness is such a part of childhood that's never yeah his his voice yeah. sounds the I most, most different in the movie but if you're familiar with pixar's work in bounden or the sad clown in toy story 3 it's like it's that guy and it's perfect <laughs> uh, i really think craig ferguson does people probably don't come up to him every day and tell him you did a great owl here because he did uh mm -hmm. this movie is great and is counter programming to the number one movie at the box office and Ooh, really which is a little scary for like the littler kids at totally. first i thought why would anyone go up against this yeah. and realize, oh because it gets really dark and scary and if you got a seven-year-old it might be too intense for them but winnie the pooh will work great yeah but it's just like that perfect thing that made disney animated features work for so long it it is acceptable for preschoolers, but it is funny for adults too. And it's yeah. it's just the antithesis of a summer release. It's very quiet. I wish this came in at Christmas. I feel like this would have moved hmm. people a lot more. It is only like two short stories. It is a little on the short side. Uh, I can see people feeling sort of shortchanged uh, after walking out of here. It Critically, it did fine. It's just sort of a bummer. I think if I was reading John Lasseter's intentions correctly... 2D animation isn't dead and will prove it by this billion dollar thing we have not made anything theatrically for in 40 years. And everyone will come see it with their kids. And they didn't. And yeah. that was, I was even reading like, this is one of four traditionally animated movies released in this decade. It is, it is over. Oh. I mean, well, American movies. There's still plenty yeah. of French and yeah. uh, European stuff happening, but I think that's, but it yeah. is. But the thing is, it's it's good. It's good if your yeah, kids haven't seen really this good. yet. You it's really it inventive because like they're inside the storybook and they're like climbing around on the letters at parts. And you know, John Cleese is a really good narrator for this sort of thing. And yeah, seriously, e even grown ups without kids like me, yeah, uh, the Winnie it's, the Pooh twenty eleven. Obviously, it's gonna be on Disney Plus, but it was it was just really nice. Watch the full trailer with the Keen song. Only <laughs> we go <laughs> and don't watch. Christopher Robin, which lost all the cast except for Jim Cummings, that movie from a few years ago. That's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And it, mm. people pretend people have forgotten it existed. Yeah, uh, I did. Where where Disney took the least popular character from the Hundred Acre Wood and made a whole movie out of him. Yeah, let's get the whole. No one cares about the human. Yeah, let's get Pooh yeah. and Tigger out of here for a while and just focus on Ewan McGregor. Oh, but then we got to move into the next movie, which. Um, all right. Hits me Ooh. on a yeah emotional level as well, and I yeah I just want a phenomenal feat of franchise movie making before Marvel was really doing shit. I, it, it's astonishing this happened from start to finish. Uh, Tom Felton, Helen McCroy, Julie Waters, David Thwellis, Alan Rickman, Jason Isaacs, John Hurt, uh, Michael Gambon. Yeah. Ray Fiennes, Warwick Davis, uh, Robbie Coltrane, Hello Bottom Carter, Emma Watson, Rupert Grint, and Daniel Radcliffe. It's number one this week. It is, I believe, it's, I think, number one for the. It's the highest-grossing Warner Brothers movie of all time. 
I think it's number one for the year, yep. too. Harry Potter yeah. and the Deathly Hallows, part two. Harry Potter, you have allowed your friends to die for you rather than face me yourself. Join me and confront your fate. Come on, Tom. Let's finish this the way we started. Together! not yet rated in theaters and IMAX 3D. Yeah, I bet there was a lot of disputes with the MPA and what this movie's rating was going to be because it is dark. Yeah. Yeah. Very it, dark. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't even know where to start with this. Mm. I was telling well, Sammy about I, it just because uh, as a movie split in half and, and for 30, 2010 purposes, I rewatched part one, which I remember sort of not liking. I'd read the books. I knew it was going to happen in the first movie is this, but watching it again is this odd, odd foreboding technically without violence and death is, I feel like the most adult movie in the series, Deathly Hallows part one. And then this movie jumps into, I was telling your, your, your husband, sometimes when I get drunk and I want to go to bed, I watch the last hour of Avengers Endgame, which is the culmination (laughs) of like 19 movies and 10 years into one hour of footage and it's just like but that's all this movie is mm-hmm. it is just mm-hmm. the last hour of avengers endgame there's like a little bit of little bit of setup at the start and then it's it is off and running but all powerful barely. ending there i yeah. mean because i threw this on and i had not seen part one in a while and i was kind of shocked by how quickly there's no last time on Harry Potter. It just yeah. immediately yeah. picks up. So you yeah. better hope you remember everything that happened last time on Harry Potter. Yeah. Which is one of my problems. There were a couple of things that I had forgotten about. Same. It's like they're looking, yeah. they're looking at a mirror and they think they see Dumbledore in it. And I'm like, was that it? I don't remember that. I just remember them like hiding in the woods a lot. I don't remember these little details. Right, yeah, that's right. that's something Mar- uh, yeah. Marvel technically only recently started doing. They were always ready to catch you up with the movie you might have missed because they want this to be a singular, enjoyable experience. Which the only thing that this movie's discredit, like you, I wouldn't, I can't imagine watching this like first or like with no provocation. Oh. That's ridiculous. Oh my god, notion. no, never. Th- do it, it would be. Absolute gobbledygook. You would never understand who these characters are, how they relate to each other. It is, it is an episode. It's like it's. I think how we all wished Game of Thrones would have ended with the mm, spirit yes. of this film. It, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's weird that we get to talk about the end of the Harry Potter film series now, and come Thanksgiving, we will be talking about the beginning of it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's eight movies over ten years, mm-hmm. which is, and they are. Big movies with huge casts and mostly the the last like four, four or five are all directed by David Yates with yep. screenplay by Steve Cloves. And yeah, it's uh, everything, everything four. Do, on. Uh, yeah, they they have a lot to do. And it, I, it's really to to Warner Brothers credit that they're kind of keeping this as a team. Let's I mean, yeah. it's kind of like it makes me think of like classic Hollywood of like th- this is a machine. Yeah, there would be, <laughs> there are would be parts st- in the machine and the machine makes Harry Potter's. <laughs> yeah, it, it really well, it really operates more like a TV show, whereas like people worked on this nonstop for multiple years. I think also, too, it's a nod to this is really important that we get it right. And we really Mm -hmm. have to stay consistent because it means so much to so many people. So there's really no room for error as far as like, well, we didn't 
do a little interpretation of it. Like, no, we yeah. cannot have any of that. I'm going to skip just, this character's no, death. Like, you no, can't change anything. It's sacred. But, no, no, make sure yeah, you well, show the, Tonks' the corpse. With, <laughs> and, and, yeah, no, the hard part with, with adapting something like this is you can't make any big changes because mm -hmm. people will go insane, but you have to pick and choose very carefully where you're going to spend your time. Which not to, yeah. I was and talking this, with Matt about this on bonus time. I think yeah. the first two movies are all about people who didn't make decisions. They're very literal adaptations. Yeah, serviceable. They don't, it doesn't <laughs> look fun. Some of this shit, like get this out of here. This movie's two and a half hours. And the, yeah. the third movie on, they don't have that problem anymore. They really, yeah. you will, you will never have to hear about Rita Skeeter and the problems at uh, Hogwarts Fox news um, in any of these films. <laughs> you will not, have, yeah. you'll never see the, 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 Ministry of Magic lion ass dude who's supposed to be Tony Blair that's not in the movies. It, they just figure it yeah. out. Like focus yeah. on what's I, important. Yeah, I love they they trim the fat back, but without making it too frantic. Yeah. Even though there's a lot going on in this one and it could get frantic, but they still give characters a moment to breathe and think and contemplate. Like, okay, like Harry Potter spends a lot of the movie basically it, it's kind of him realizing this has to end with him dying and yeah. him having to deal with that and the responsibility and the feeling of like Voldemort is saying like, I will kill everyone, you know, mm -hmm. if you, if you don't surrender now. Yeah. It was and interesting. The TV, how are people dealing with that? The TV spot is like, it just seems like narration, but it's, that is the radio broadcast Voldemort gives to everyone at Hogwarts. Like you will all die. If he doesn't bring him like, get over here. I will kill everybody. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I so, just, I, I mean, just, and I'd forgotten that, oh, this one has a heist in it. This one, they, they go to the bank and they have to do the heist. Warwick <laughs> yeah, Davis I, twice. These all, yeah, they all sort of blend together a little bit for me, so I needed to rewatch to just remember, okay, I, I, I should say, how like, does this work as an individual story? And I was like, okay, this is part two. <laughs> there is no watching this without watching part one. Mm -hmm. Really? No. But, it's, it's very bizarre as a, as a film. But. Yeah, but story-wise, it stands on its own very well. Mm -hmm. I, I like. I think Sarah has the same background. I, I read all the books, mm -hmm. yeah. um, and then I think the first movie came out after I read the third book, and then I was mm -hmm. usually so there is there there were a lot of expectations, but I've only seen these movies like one and a half, two and a half times. Same and. Mm -hmm. And, but but this being the end, every memory I had combined with the movies and the books came together drunkenly at two in the morning, and I'm sobbing my eyes out from the second McGonagall ducks out in front of Harry Potter, like, oh my God. And, and I just had written down, people my age are like, man, movies aren't dark and scary. There's no like return to Oz for kids anymore. I'm like, there's this. This, this is fucking is horrifying. Yeah. And, and granted, this had 10 years, the audience had 10 years to catch up with more adult themes like it's this movie is fucked up and when these kids <laughs> these kids from 10 years ago get youtube channels they're gonna write about like i had not seen uh, order the phoenix and this movie freaked the shit out of me why are all these people why are all these teachers getting murdered in front of their students this movie is dark 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 and like it, it, i i applaud warner brothers for take like just keeping that direction going and like not 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 mm. abandoning what 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 kept me as an adult and kids turning the pages so fast. Like I, I don't, I'm not a good writing critic, so I don't know what was so special about just getting Rowling's books, but like they were. I mean, I don't know that it, if you read those books as a child or a young adult, I don't think you can even really put into words, honestly. Mm. Uh, Which I didn't. Know. I was 21. <laughs> a young adult. But I was in a van on a road trip to my grandparents. 
There because you go. That was happening too. I read most of these books with my family on a road trip, me too. I think, probably. Um, and they meant a lot to me, which makes the following uh, everything can we just that Rowling has said we, even more heartbreaking. Can we address so, that at the end? I just wanted to like just discuss the story fine. so far. Because I do feel okay. like sometimes like I was driving home listening to Anne Rice, who's like a converted Christian, has made Lestat like sometimes your favorite authors will betray you, but sometimes their stories are bigger than they are. And yes. I think <laughs> Harry Potter's bigger than JK Rowling. And absolutely. And, sometimes people are vessels for a bigger story. Yeah. And I like that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's kind of what the movie's about in the end, yeah. isn't it? Uh, yeah. Wow. Ooh, we just got super deep. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was sad to see Alan Rickman. I miss I know, him. Me too. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 dead. Like what? Three years later. Yeah. And 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 when he died, younger people. This is. I'm not bitching. That this is the only context they had. This is big context. For, yeah. They saw this guy in eight movies. Mm-hmm. People were really fucking bummed. It was. If anything, I'm. I was happy to see like. My social meds, an outpouring supporter, Alan Rickman, lots of, you know, people my age, Gruber, Gruber, Gruber. But like mm. younger people were like, dude, I have lived with this guy for a decade in this in mm-hmm. this role. It, it very much operated like a TV show. Well, yeah. and Harry Potter hit a very uh, a cultural sweet spot where I was part of the live journal community mm. and shipping <laughs> is a big thing. And Tumblr, I was part of the Tumblr community as well. And the whole Harry Potter deal really lent itself really well yeah. to all of that. I mean, the idea of fan fiction, Harry Potter is like a huge part of that. I know fan fiction didn't start with Harry Potter and it right. certainly hasn't ended with Harry Potter, but Harry Potter was really big in in that sort of world as well. And I think that it cannot be overstated how important it was to people of my generation, certainly, and people a little bit younger than me and a little bit older than me. And hopefully mm. it'll continue yeah, to be I, really important well, to people. I, I think the most important thing there is the Neville Longbottom glow up. Okay. Whoa. So that's <laughs> that's what I had, had written down. Like I love – I feel oh. so wow, happy wow, wow. for Matthew Lewis, that actor, because he's cast as this little, little kid to be – the loser dork be in this a, movie be a fat ago. little dork with dumb teeth and like be meek and and mm-hmm. the the big thing i had written down in all caps after watching this i don't know that i want to see a prequel i i know i don't want to see a prequel any more prequels to this at least not the fantastic beast movies i don't know mm-hmm. if i want to see a sequel i would be perfectly happy with the story retold from neville, neville longbottom's perspective because one of my <laughs> my only things that i i didn't like taken out of the movies is that his parents are in mental institutions because they were tortured to near death by Voldemort. He has had the worst life of anyone mm-hmm. and mm. constantly perseveres in the background or shows up at the end to cut a fucking snake's head off and win <laughs> the movie yes. to win the whole story. every time. I want to know what this that dude's doing. Happen. The victory cannot happen without him. The victory yeah. from yeah. the first he movie and, on. He and Luna Lovegood both mm-hmm. need more. They just need more fleshing out. Yep. I want to see way more about them. Yeah, it, yeah. There's your spinoff right there. Yeah, I had, I had. That's the, what we need. I had the best time rewatching this, and it, it really warms my fucking heart that, like, I was talking to Matt, and it's like this is catnip for his kids. The girl I was dating a few, like, a year or two ago with kids. This is catnip for them too. It's a a positive pop culture role model that is big and awesome and doesn't really have any weak points. That's why, you know, certain things <laughs> we'll talk about in a second are such a bummer. And if you've and if you've ever been to 
the theme park, the one in Florida specifically, like there's a lot, there's some recreated sequences from this film in that like it's, it still astonishes me that that exists because mm-hmm. be, to be able to walk through recreations of some of these sets are, are just such a wonderful thing to be able to experience uh, uh, for people of any age. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't been to the Harry Potter park and I know we're getting through a pandemic, it's really good. It is mm-hmm. technically, I love Disney shit more. I will throw Harry Potter into a fire to save Mr. Toad. Like, <laughs> but that Harry Potter Hogwarts ride is the best ride I've ever been on. Agree. And it, Agree. It's, it's amazing. Oh. And the, the line is the best line I've ever been in. Yep. It, yep. it is. And, and the Gringotts ride is a lot. You'll see a lot of stuff from this film in, mm-hmm. including a bunch. Yeah, never mind. I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I, I, I was I, I was a puddle during all this. I was just so happy and teary. It all came back to me, my affection for these characters in this story. And my my also my only thing though is that these are quintessential Christmas movies to me. Mm-hmm. To the point yeah. where I have in my like holiday playlist that I play, you know, starting November first, Hedwig's theme is part of my Hollywood play or my uh, holiday playlist playlist mm. so these are christmas movies to me i don't like it coming out this summer i do not want to be sweating and watching this movie and crying at the same time <laughs> i mean we were in san francisco for most of it so it was kind of the same thing um yeah every day is the same with weather it doesn't matter yeah you can but... pretend it's christmas it's, it's the same weather it's 60 and cloudy yeah <laughs> but I, yeah i don't know like um it was a very interesting phenomenon that because the books started coming out in uh like the late '90s, and the movie series was done by 2011. Yeah, um, and that was sort of it. Yes, I know of the Cursed Child, those awful fucking Fantastic Beast movies. But yeah, like I, I feel like there's something really perfect about Harry Potter that I won't let even its creator ruin for me. Mm-hmm. It, it delights me that kids still find meaning, or lack of a better word, magic in it. And the last movie is so good. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's so very good, <laughs> and like and so defiant about what you think makes a good kids movie because mm-hmm. it really mm-hmm. it really forces kids to think about certain things with characters it and, is but it isn't it's also a return to the types of kids movies that we talk about sure. from the 80s where children are actually in peril where it is Real actually danger. very dark where mm-hmm. parents are actually not good people sometimes mm-hmm. like it is also kind of a return to that which we had not seen in a really long time the only parents in this movie are the weasleys Everybody else no, is, is adopted. the Malfoys, too. The Malfoys. Are, sorry, the Malfoys. Oh, yeah. Play a huge part as parents. It's true. It's true. But, but everybody else is, is your chosen parents, which are your teachers and the people yeah. they actually look up to and consider, you know, I, I've never been to a boarding school. Never mind. I mean, I'm all over honestly, the place. Honestly, if we're going to talk about people I want to see more information about, I love the Malfoy family. Like, yeah. seeing their interactions they're a huge part of this story their love for their child for draco is a huge part of the story and how that interacts with their loyalty to the voldemort it's very interesting to watch that i I do feel oh r.i.p helen mccrory by the way oh my god i know who's that who'd we lose malfoy's mom really Mm -hmm. yeah oh my god it's also aunt polly and peaky blinders that's kind of how i knew her more seems even. too early but but yeah, I, I do love i love that about all of its villains is that harry potter set up what you would assume would be very clear-cut black and white villains and then mm-hmm. didn't give you that again i read all the books during the bush administration watched all the movies into the trump administration 
I know there's magic space Republicans, but, <laughs> but there's, there's, it's, it's, it's nice to see alignments being made in these awful death eater assholes. Um, that there, there are things more important than never mind. I'm all over the place. Cause like, I, yeah. I'm just feeling all of Harry Potter right now. I watched this last yeah. night. One of my big complaint is that at the end, there are so many people on Voldemort's side. Yeah. I, I thought this was more of a beer hall putsch kind of situation, but he's got like a couple thousand dudes back there. Uh, How do he get all those guys? Are I they don't all know. People? Are they all killed? Because all he seems to promise is like, you'll be able to grovel at my feet while I insult you. Mm-hmm. What is this yeah. guy? What is this guy promising? Yeah, what is the payoff for them? <laughs> power, like power. Yeah. You guys don't need money. Yeah, go fly in a broom. Have fun. Make your yeah. own food. Like this is you amazing. You can fly. You yeah. can turn into you, an animal. You can eat meat without killing anything. How cool is that? <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and, again, to the credit of the Harry Potter universe, it, the way it makes sense of magic and things that can can't happen is wonderful. You'll get more of that from the books. Thing like, why can't they just conjure the thing that kills Voldemort? They explain mm. stuff like that in the books a little better, but. It, I think it's a, a wonderful series with a with wonderful fans, with wonderful fan service, and there's only one big problem I have with it. One is the author, and mm-hmm. the author, the ending, which, you know, spoiler, I guess, like, that's, that that is a, like, I just took this as, like, we know all authors at some point want a little, ah, oh, my cousin, my kids are going to have to go to, <laughs> have to go to college, I got to write a sequel to this somehow. They really cut off most sequel potential which i feel is a kind of an awful ending with showing hmm. 10 years later or is it 19 years later uh yeah. with with them as adults with children yeah, i could have done without we just yeah. saw will and grace like reboot and like they had to undo the children in order to like keep keep this shit going mm-hmm. but that was i i don't think jk rowling had to do that but it's just like i'm not writing anymore this this is what yeah. happens to harry uh this is what happens to ron this is what happens to hermione and I'm not writing anymore. And I did appreciate, I, I don't like the ending, but I appreciate that like, this is over. We will yeah. not talk about these characters anymore. Mm-hmm. This is what happens to them. Now, you know, <laughs> and, now yeah. you, and, 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 and that's fine. I mean, the people who are really into the fan fiction of it all, they could write their own endings. And that yeah. is beautiful and perfect. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, we can't, we cannot have this discussion though without talking about the creator. I have a message. And- I have a message from her, Sarah, because you gave me a great segue into this person's own words. I watched this on Blu-rays I bought on like some, uh, that I haven't popped in for years that I bought on some Black Friday sale. And there is a message from Just Kidding Rolling Mm -hmm. before the movie starts about how this is over, but it's not over. And yeah, this is it. Even though the seventh book and the eighth film have now been completed, I'm still receiving hundreds of letters every week. And Harry's fans remain as enthusiastic and inventive as ever. So I'd like to take this opportunity to say thank you, because no author could have asked for a more wonderful, diverse, and loyal readership. I'm thrilled to say that I am now in a position to give you something unique, an online reading experience unlike any other. It's called Pottermore. It's the same story with a few crucial additions. The most important one is you. How did this person go from appreciating the diversity of her audience and celebrating their ability to choose what they do and mm. and what's sto- become the only thing that defines this author now is terrible mm-hmm. the right. hill she chose right. to die on is so depressing and, and yeah. awful yeah it, Be, uh, being anti-trans yeah mm-hmm. that's it i mean 
I could get into the anti-Semitism that is implicit that I don't think she was I don't think she was thinking of at the time. Yeah, I, I mean, yes. Them we're little not let banking goblins. Yeah. Uh, not, not a huge fan of the pointy nose banking goblins. We were not going to let this conversation pass without mention of there. That is like a very <laughs> egregious example. There are other more minor examples, microaggressions yeah. that are, you know, sown throughout the yeah. books that and and some of them are the fans being stupid i like I, I love people complaining about what do you mean a character named cho chang is asian <laughs> 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 oh honey uh, yeah uh, yeah you know it's fantasy it's gonna rely on some tropes uh, okay fine just you know know when you're doing it and i think some people just don't seem to know that that's the world-controlling, pointy-nosed banking goblins. Mm-hmm. On behalf I, of the banking goblin community, oh God. I, am- <laughs> oh God. I mean, it, there's definitely some evidence of implicit bias, I think, mm. there. I think some good editors could have, should have caught that. Maybe. You know, that's what editors are for. But I I I thought we owned the media. Aren't we supposed to be able to stop that? (laughs) I'm I'm trying to remember that. Like, do you remember when the 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 last book came out and like who's Dumbledore talking about? And and just kidding, Rowling just takes to Twitter and like he's gay and like no, he isn't. Like fuck you. Mm -hmm. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And like was defiant and like cool. Good for you. Like I mean, it would have been nice if you put that in a book. But uh, what happened? What happened to this person? I'm yeah. I'm very confused. I'm very confused. There's well, there's just some people who fancy themselves feminist who think they want to defend women's spaces. And for some reason, I think, honestly, because I have a friend who feels like this and I've been working on her. She feels that because trans women didn't grow up with the same experience of cis women, they're like not part of our gang. And I'm like, no, they grew up with a different kind of shitty sexism. That's yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> It's the same Not people. The shitty sexism we dealt with, the but same, there's overlap. The same people saying I should Let like pay two hundred thousand dollars in student loans because I had to. Like, yeah, my it's, generation had to. We well, that's yeah. yeah, I mean, growing up trans is its own yes. real problem. Like, it's it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard. It's its yeah. own difficulty. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I just yeah, but it's mm-hmm. it's also also it's well, also I part of its out, own magic every, and choice. Which is yeah. what the whole fucking story is about. What is wrong yeah. with this? I, I have no idea why she decided to die on this hill to die yeah. the villain. It it, it yeah. makes no like sense if, to me. No, if if you quiet. if you want to have a, a do not compute moment with a trans exclusionary feminist, uh, ask them how they feel about trans men. They have no opinion. <laughs> they haven't thought about it, and it's like, yeah. but that's like big part of the group that you're so mad about. No, I, I'm old Aren't enough they, to <laughs> I'm old whatever. enough to remember uh, bigots and. Their love of lesbian porn. I, I yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah, let people be what they want to be. Mm-hmm. It's, Shut up. Uh, yeah, it's it, more fun that way. Yeah, honestly, whatever. right. And, and, and like, I don't pay attention to a lot of these arguments, but I do know about her because this disappoints me, and I hate reading about it. So I hate read it. She chose the feminist direction to defend herself on this, like two years into this anti-trans horseshit. Mm. It, it came about later. She's been doing this for a while, and I don't get it. I don't get it at all. And I'm just encouraging people, don't be like J.K. Rowling. Uh, And I hate saying that because a single mom author who creates this fucking empire of really fun, positive shit. uh, It's such Mm -hmm. a fuck. It's the weirdest milkshake duck I've ever seen. (laughs) It it, it is. It like nobody expected this. 
Like, it's uh, so mm. wild too because there are so many people I know in the queer community who Harry Potter was a lifeline ev- for them. Yeah. My whole extended family out here is in the Harry Potter, like literal cosplay sorted community. And like they killed it. This killed it for them. It killed Aww. it. It murdered it. And they're adults and they'll move on and they'll find something else. But like, you know, imagine like queer kids. Like this is a perfectly good thing for them to like. And to find this out about the author is such a bummer. And I know she's listening, which is the only reason I want to talk about it. <laughs> um, just, just like Joanne, uh, listen up. Is that a real name? Yeah. I didn't even know. But back to the movie. Good movie. Great. <laughs> I think, I, hold on. I, I would say a fantastic movie had you been along, like Avengers Endgame, if you'd been along for the whole ride. Of and course, m- most yeah. movies, but that's the thing. We have two movies that can achieve this result that take over a decade to tell their story and tell their story in a feature length time and not on HBO or Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an yep. astonishing feat, and I don't know that we'll see it again. Yeah. And, well, coming up in November, when uh, around the same time we talk about the first Harry Potter movie, we're going to talk about another young adult series that splits. Percy Jackson, Percy Jackson, Percy Jackson. <laughs> it, it splits its finale, and it's a great example of how not to oh, split your word. finale. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, I hate it so much. I hate J.K. Rowling so much. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I do, but I appreciate what she did. Uh, anyway, anyway. Death of the author. It doesn't exist. But anyway. yeah, moving, moving, on. moving on to more awkward. Awkwardness and cringiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm season, season eight. I'm sorry, I have the hiccups. Sir, oh. Curb Your Enthusiasm season eight debuts. Yes. Um, yeah. This is the yeah. season where finally Larry finalizes his divorce from Cheryl, which oh. was kind of shocking to me, honestly, right. that it went in that direction. But it really did open up the show to like more adventures and more interesting thing. I mean, come on. I believe... Larry David dating is something <laughs> to perceive. Well, that's, I believe the behind the scenes on that was one Cheryl, is this is the eighth season and we're now coming up on the 11th season. Mm-hmm. This was the biggest break there had been between seasons since the show started. Uh, and in that break, Cheryl Hines got a job on another show and Larry David got divorced. Mm-hmm. And he's not wrong to think like, Larry David's not sitting around all day. What do I write about? It's always like, what has happened to me? And that's what was happening to him. He was not yeah. with his wife anymore. And Cheryl still pops up, which I love, because also she's our hometown girl. Yeah. Tallahassee native. Met her several times. Yeah. Nice lady. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Real nice. So I like to see that she hasn't totally left. But yeah, it's an interesting no, I was, I was uh, watching direction. Some of it. And I'm glad that it. The new season, she's in almost every episode. Yeah. And it, which yeah. It makes her a great fucking character. I just love that it's not like a behind the scenes fight. Like uh, there's no sexual harassment involved. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, they, they all, everyone's so that they in, currently in the show's fiction, she is seeing Ted Danson, who is not seeing anybody other than Mary Steenberg. I mean, talk about <laughs> a trade up. Girl. <laughs> Ooh, oh, dang. You ladies and you're fucking hard on for, for hot Frankenstein. It's just so, <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> Just saying it's a trade-up for Larry David. Like, I I love Larry David, but... Hot Frankenstein? Hell yeah. 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 Come on. I grew up on Cheers. That's like my male ideal. And I grew up on Becker. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody did that. (laughs) Oh, God. I love the ire you, like, risk, like, getting into there. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> Where my I Becker fans at? Stay for a while. I had to just immediately. Roll Where are my Beckys? <laughs> um, all right, and then Dance Moms debuts, and if that's a show, you have something to say about? Oh, oh that fuck. is. I just have to say that is one of the nastiest reality shows I've ever seen really? in my life. I couldn't because of that because there's kids are getting yelled at and, and exploited, and I can't. I can't it's, watch it. Although I didn't realize that's where JoJo C was from. I thought she was just a YouTube star, but I guess she started on Dance Rocks JoJo C. Oh, okay, and also the little girl who's like Sia's dancer from Chandelier oh, yeah. and everything, Maddie mm-hmm. something. Yeah, but yeah, I've I've never seen a full episode of this. I went actually in doing research for this episode. I did go on YouTube and just type in like the worst of dance moms just to kind of see if there's maybe like some really terrible moment I could pull, but they're mm. all so bad. I mean, this, the woman who is Abby, I think her name is, who's in charge of like the whole operation is truly one of the biggest villains of reality shows ever. And yeah, the show is terrible. <laughs> Eight seasons of terrible. Yeah. Just truly terrorizes children. It's that is, wild. It's like days and nights of terrible. God damn reality shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, whew, um, video games of 2011. We will have a lot to talk about for this because this is when my co-hosts, uh, Video Game Apocalypse's um, Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Parris, and Maddie C. Allen, they are both married to Diana. Um, and uh, <laughs> we were all working in the games industry at this point. And Misplosion Man is out. Great game, Misplosion Man. Gonna have to bring up movie tie-ins. You know, it didn't have a movie tie-in. Final Fantasy, <laughs> the spirits within. Uh, kind of weird because Harry Potter and the Owls Part Two did. In um, and speaking of sort of something about that, I don't usually look ahead very often, but Captain America: Super Soldier that video game is out this week as well. During that very rare period, we had Marvel games coincide the week or two before they debuted in theaters. Uh, Mighty Flip Champs DX, NCAA Football 12, it's almost over for that series. Puyo Puyo, 20th anniversary. Call of Juarez, the cartel, is also out that that week, and I I assure you, Michael, will have plenty to say about that, because we're both big Call of Juarez nerds. But that is about it for the show. Please, don't leave yet, because we're going to tell you who died and lived during this period with a great quiz, where I always beat Sarah. False. (laughs) (laughs) Di, where can people find more of you at? They can find me on the Twitter at ListenAnerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, that's 302010 podcast. And next week, we have another pretty big episode. I don't think it'll be as huge as this one, but we have, we got some sequels. We got a Bill and Ted sequel. We got a Jurassic Park sequel. Best sequel of all time. We have another movie that's from Asia from 2001 that we don't see until 2003, but I'm putting it here because it's its original release, and we should not delay talking about Miyazaki's masterpiece. Mm. Also, speaking of trans issues, we have an amazing fucking musical. Oh, oh my god, I haven't seen it. I, I see cannot it. wait. An amazing musical. As uh, Chris just mentioned, we do have Captain America coming, and we get the other half of the Fuck Buddies double feature. To see who wins. <laughs> the impacto profundo situation uh. when it comes to fucking your friends. <laughs> yep. It's a big one. Um, and then, yeah, patreon.com slash laser time. Five bucks is all we ask. You can give us less. You can give us more. Uh, we appreciate our patrons as well as Vincent Garcia, our fairy god brother. I tried to make that genderless. I, I couldn't. But <laughs> patreon.com slash laser time. 
Lots of th- extra 30, 20, 10 content, video game apocalypse content, Star Wars content, movie. Uh, we do movie commentaries. Uh, watch watch House Party with us. That was really fun. <laughs> that was really fucking fun. Anyway, some of it feeds into 30, 20, 10. I would love to watch Point Break or Toy Soldiers with your husband, Sarah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and you, to a far lesser extent. I understand. Um, <laughs> um, That's fair. I just don't know how it happened where I see more of you than I do of him. It's just... <laughs> I know it's truly the worst. Yeah, isn't it? fucking pandemic. Considering every movie that we see together, I either fall asleep or I am sobbing at the yeah, end. Yeah, every it. movie you're watching, like yeah, I saw that with him in the theater. And <laughs> die who died during this period? Oh gosh, uh, it's an interesting one. So in 1991, Hitoshi Igarashi was murdered. He was 44. Oh. He is the Japanese interpreter of the Satanic Verses by Salman yes. Rushdie, and that murder is still unsolved 30 years later. Was it that in Japan? Book? They don't care about Satan. Yes. What the f- in that Japan made people crazy. And yeah. wait, is it is the murder attached to his job as interpreting? That seems to be the motive. Okay, as I wasn't sure I if that was. It's like got to be thing. someone from the West because I've been in Japan a couple times and they they're like thirty years new to Christmas. Jesus is not their thing. They don't care. Uh, the- no, that's, no, this is about Muhammad. Yes. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, I'm about, I would say, a third of the way through the Satanic Verses. Salman Rushdie is dense, so it always yes. takes me a while <laughs> to get through his shit. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. I don't know enough intense. about it whether, the, the, like, did you just invite a fatwa, or is this, we're just way past it, no one well, cares? Well, knows the fatwa sex is the best kind of sex. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I believe he was on like Kirby Enthusiasm. Yeah, Salman Rushdie was on. I guess it's not that big a thing anymore. Um, uh, and, you know, he did get with with Padma, uh, Padma Lakshmi for a little yeah. while. So, you know. From Star Wars? I'd say worth it. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, also in 1991, we lost Burt Convy, who was only 57, but he, he hosted so many freaking game shows. Yeah. And, and he, he had amazing helmet hair. Yeah, it's the only kind of thing my hair will do. Um, look like Burt Convy. Yep. If you want to know yep. what I look and then, like. And then also in cheesy television, in 2011, we lost Sherwood Schwartz, who is 94. Uh, he created Gilligan's Island and the Brady Bunch. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Two of my favorite yeah. shows as a little kid. Really, They really were. Wow. Mm. Two of my yeah. mom's favorite shows when she was a little kid. So Oof. I keep telling you. Now you guys sh- have something to talk about. introduce us. We should <laughs> totally hang out. I've met Sarah's mom several times. Okay. With that out of the way, bye, 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 birthdays. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Birthdays. Who was born during this period? On the lighter right. side of everything, I learned so much about this person oh, that I might have to like read it twice after you find out who it is, just so we can appreciate him some more. Mm. Turning sixty this week, born July fifteenth, nineteen sixty-one, in Longview, Texas. He got a football scholarship to college until a back injury laid him out. He majored in music and focused on becoming an opera tenor while also studying acting. Okay, it's either Mike Rowe <laughs> or Tommy Lee Jones. No, it's very Dennis oh yeah. I didn't specify where he went to school, but I, it's not Harvard, so it can't be Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, sorry. How gross, um, Besides acting, which, like, he started getting roles pretty much right out of college. He's also a director and a producer. He directed a movie we talked about, Hope Floats, and also Waiting to Exhale. What the fuck? God, we're so fucking mm-hmm. white. As a producer, Harry here's Connick the thing Jr. I didn't know. No. He was in Hope Floats, though. Yeah, Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's from New Orleans, but yeah, I know. Uh, his dad was the DA. Uh, <laughs> but 
she is not the subject. You know uh, too much about her. I do know too much about Harry Connick. You know, like in poker, if you share too much information about what hand you don't have, you're just cheating. <laughs> like, I think I think he might have been a subject of a birthday quiz, actually. Maybe. Yeah. So he directed those two movies, but he also produced Sorry to Bother You, Songs My Brother Taught Me, the debut of Glowy Zhao. And Fruitvale Station, so he gave us Boots Riley, Chloe Zhao, and Ryan Coogler. Also a UNESCO Goodwill ambassador. And last month, he addressed the UN Security Council. Oh, Forrest Whitaker. It is Forrest Whitaker. Nice. Damn, I should have got it at Ready for Sale. I did not know he directed Hope Floats. Holy crap, that's crazy. Yeah, he just addressed the UN Security Council about reintegrating child soldiers. That's, That's like his pet project. And also has a black belt in Kempo and studies Eskrima, the national martial art of the Philippines. the fuck would fuck with Forrest Whitaker without karate? Holy shit. Wow. God damn. Yeah. Movies of his we have talked about. There are a lot. Color of Money, Platoon, Stakeout, Phenomenon, Bloodsport, Repo Men, A Rage in Harlem, Good Morning Vietnam, Light It Up, The Great Debaters, Vantage Point, Battlefield Earth, Where the Wild Things Are, (laughs) Ghost Dog Way, The Samurai, Bird, and Last King of Scotland. You're talking about Crying Game? All right. Oh, he did. No, we haven't talked about Crying Game yet. I think oh. that's next year. I did not realize that he produced Fruitvale Station and Sorry to Bother You. I did. He's, 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 he's the voice of the, the horse person in, in Sorry to Bother You. Oh, you're right. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Sorry for that spoiler. That, that movie's great. <laughs> that movie is amazing. I don't so, think that spoiled anything. It just made people more confused. <laughs> Good. But I'm so pissed that we've never heard him sing that I can think of. He was going to be a fucking opera singer. Yeah, dang. Wow. Have we heard him sing? No, no I've heard, heard him, him play horn as Bird, but Mm-mm. I want to hear him sing. Hmm. God damn it. Mm. Yay. Happy 60th birthday, Forrest Whitaker. You're mm-hmm. awesome. I win again, Sarah. What the fuck are you going to do about it? We're going to have to take this to the goddamn basketball court as soon as this pandemic lifts. <laughs> Sarah's got mad ups. It's, I do. It's, I can jump very high. Give me small mouth. It was just about to happen. <laughs> oh, you can't see it. I it's mean, a podcast, but it's Yeah, great. you can't see it. But her, her mouth goes from regular mouth to like <laughs> a hyphen. <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, even an M dash, a hyphen. Not, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a little robot vent. Uh. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know what you guys want to go out with, but I feel like torturing people with more cuts I, from Am I Cool or What, the Garfield album. I think if people made it this far into the podcast, we can do whatever we want and let's torture them with (laughs) more Garfield album. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it is the Pointer Sisters, who I fucking love, and it is a very late 80s sounding pop jam. So Nine Lives by the Pointer Sisters of the Garfield album. It is all on YouTube. Please go look it up. So cruel. Thank you very much to everyone but Diana for that last song. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm very happy with it. This has been one of my favorite episodes I've done in a while. I really enjoyed all these movies. Um, we're serious about our recommendations, but we're also serious about hearing what you have to recommend and going to bat for some of these movies that maybe fell by the wayside in our show or in pop culture history. So please, I would invite anyone who wants to give me death threats over Final Fantasy The Spirits Within All, I invite it. Give it to me. <laughs> Uh, I'd appreciate it. Uh, it. It's just nice that things don't always have to go unloved. So I'm really happy to hear people champion stuff we might or not like very much. Yeah, we got a Twitter, we got a Facebook uh, community, and we got uh, comments under on LaserTimePodcast.com. Go watch something fun, man. Hmm. Take us out, Garfield. <laughs> <laughs>